When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at woodhousebuickgmc.com. We are professional grade. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. This is how it's always been. I'm on the outside looking in. Welcome to Double Love, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Karen Moynihan. And this week, we're finally here. We've been booing his name for over 100 episodes. And finally it is, don't go home with John. Yeah, this this is why we've been booing him for mm-hmm. 100 solid episodes. Uh, yeah, it's kind of, I think we've been pretty much dreading this book, really, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, it and Friend Against Friend. Mm. And um, the perfect girl and the perfect girl are the ones that really have always, you know, been aware needed massive trigger warnings because mm. they're the ones where things go properly dark mm. uh, in a very um, upsetting way uh, that, you know, so we we totally understand if you do not want to, to listen to this, we could um, we could assure you that we will be back with a very special special next week we will. Uh, yeah it's, if you want to skip this one absolutely no hassle we will be here waiting uh for the, the next episode we'll have something stupid and frivolous lined up to uh yes. to palate cleanse the whole thing but uh yeah unfortunately we're committed to this format and we are uh, book 90 has to be done it does and you know it does feature a fairly detailed account of an attempted sexual assault well a sexual mm. assault um yeah. and uh attempted rape and we uh we we will have to you know describe how that goes so just be warned we'll give another warning when we're coming up to yeah. it in case anybody wants yeah, to we'll listen to everything else ahead, maybe. Not that yeah. um so uh yes we we will get started as usual with taglines and blurbs and everything's pretty dark um can you give us the cover tagline please i can indeed it's what happens when no isn't enough well, we find out, unfortunately, in this uh, in this book. And the back cover line is to tell the truth. And cause that is what Lila is doing. But the question is, will people believe her? Uh, can you share the full blurb? I can. It's so weird, actually, just reading out taglines and blurbs and not being able to kind of 
have fun with it. Do you Take know what I mean? Take the piss out of them. Oh, that's, like, that's, uh, that's our usual default mode. But yeah, there's really, it's just too grim and sad to, to make jokes, unfortunately. So yeah. So, okay. Main blurb then. Uh, John Pfeiffer, handsome sports <laughs> editor for the Oracle, is showing a lot of interest in popular Sweet Valley High junior Lila Fowler. Lila's never dated a guy like John before, serious, intense and super smart. And she's definitely interested. When John finally asks her out, Lila can hardly wait for their first date. But the evening turns sour when John tries to take things too far. Though Lila manages to get away without being hurt, she's too embarrassed to tell anyone what happened. When John crashes Lila's long-planned costume party, Lila blurts out the whole story to her guests. Now all of Sweet Valley High knows about Lila's dangerous date and everyone has an opinion about who's responsible. The school has become a jury. Will they find John guilty or Lila? That's quite spoilery. So spoilery, honestly. Yeah, the whole costume party thing. I would have been genuinely shocked by that had I not already read it, like in the blurb. Because it's a very dramatic and effective scene. It is, yeah. Yeah. It was an advantage of reading this one in my Kindle because I I had forgotten the you know I remembered the uh, the the basic you yes. know out like what the big thing that happens mm. but I'd forgotten how things panned out after that and it was and because I read it on my Kindle there wasn't a blurb so actually when that happened it was genuinely a really super dramatic scene and the mm. blurb writers just spoiled it. They kind of did. And now we have two. So apologies yeah. everybody, because it was quite shocking, I suppose, in a, you know, in a, in a well done dramatic way. Uh, but yeah, there you go. That's that's the full blurb. So yeah. that's where we are. Well, can you describe the cover? Now, this is also grim. Yeah, this. Ugh. And again, this is one of those covers that I just remember really vividly. Um, mm-hmm, me too. Like, I know I read it as a kid because I remember the cover so vividly, but I literally could not remember a single thing about this story other than like what actually happens. You know, yeah. the, main, the main event will say, but like in terms of how things unfold, just had no recollection at all. It's so weird. Um, but yeah, so our cover is John and Lila. Um, and it's, I guess, an interpretation of... Um, how things go down on their date because they're both standing up, which isn't the case in the book. No. Um, but I guess they're both dressed as they would have been in the scene. Lila has this lovely long sleeved black dress on. Uh, it's a lycra dress we find out as well. And she's wearing her trademark pearls. Um, mm. But yeah, unfortunately not much to have fun with here because like, she's just looking at John absolutely disgusted and enraged and also kind of frightened. Like again, James Matthews oh, has think, done a brilliant yeah. job because there's so much going on in her face. Yeah. I um, definitely, yeah, definitely frightened and horrified and outraged. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. All, all the things really. And then, I guess the guy who's playing John for this reference picture. Yeah, he's just got this awful like snarl on his face. Um, She's kind of got her hand on his arm as if she's trying to push him away. uh, Mm. And he is kind of looming over her a bit. uh, Dressed as an estate agent as the boys of Sweet Van so often. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah, but it is. It's a grim cover, but a very well done cover. You know, we can't we can't fault fault the artist on that because James always brings it so there's that but yeah unfortunately not one that we can um have too much fun with no and uh and the book begins with uh with lila in in happier times she's lamenting uh the fact that no one has chosen their final costumes for this fancy dress ball which i'm surprised they didn't sort of set up in the last book this is the first we hear of this costume party uh firstly it's the talk of the town yeah it's imminent like it's all very uh happening very quickly apparently and yeah this is the type of thing they would normally toss into the previous book just to kind of 
have Lila start saying, oh, I have an idea for a party or something like yeah. that. It's just kind of, it's happening. Uh, so yeah, so she's uh, given out to her pals because they haven't decided on what their costumes are going to be yet. Yes, and apparently, oh my God, again with the admin, um, <laughs> apparently if you have a date, which of course you have to have, then you have to have matching costumes. Why? Uh, yeah <laughs> that's so true actually I don't it is yeah it's, I don't think they outright say it but like it is pretty much what the case is it's like yeah you have if you're in a couple you're going in a couple's costume and you, yeah. you have to be a matching <laughs> pair or else so I guess that just follows through with Sweet Valley's general ridiculousness about never leaving the house without a date true um because Jessica wants her and Sam to go as Romeo and Juliet but um Sam isn't into it Winston wants them to go as Tweedledum and Tweedledee <laughs> and uh Rosa hasn't got a date yet but but yeah Lila says you can't possibly choose a costume costume if you're still deciding on your date oh my god why i don't don't understand (laughs) well lila's still choosing between two uh two costumes so they're both pretty spectacular oh lila she's just the best uh yeah she can't make her mind up because apparently she's torn between (laughs) princess diana and marie antoinette and like I love that had she, this could potentially be like her third time dressing up as Princess Diana. It's just, I love that that's her go-to costume. You know the way everyone has like one kind of go-to they can throw together last minute and for Lila, it's Princess Diana. Well, she's got the wig. We've already been told. It's true. Yeah, she's ready to go. Well, she says, I don't just want a costume, you understand. I want to express my character too. I mean, someone who ends up on a guillotine, I don't know if that's the character, you know, what you want to express is your... uh, (laughs) life trajectory Lila but you do you mm-hmm. um, and then I think we get some character retconning um, because Jessica jokes how about a butterfly you do a lot of flitting around and we're told Lila was used to being teased because she had a reputation as a flirt now she has never had a reputation as a flirt Amy Sutton I yes Amy and Jessica are the two biggest flirts in that school, for sure. Like, Lila, yes, she she dates around and whatever. But, like, when it comes to biggest flirt, like, that's Jessica all day long. And if not mm. Jess, then it's Amy. Exactly. Like, Lila's more about fashion and sort mm. of the high life than she's dating. Too, she's too... If anything, they get onto her for being too picky, actually. Yeah, for... um. <laughs> Because she's got such high standards for boys, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, I guess we can forgive them this retconning because I guess they wanted this plot line to mm. be a major character, um, and they wanted this character to have a you know be, have a reputation as a kind of a uh, somebody who toys with boys, and the two main characters who fit that bill, as you say, are. Amy and Jessica, and they are both taken at the mm. moment. So I see why they did it, but it does uh, doesn't ring quite true. Um, especially when they say, Lila, Jessica and Amy used to be like the three musketeers of the Sweet Valley dating scene. Really? That's not how I remember it. <laughs> I guess not. Um, but yeah, I understand why they're kind of doing this. Hmm. Uh, yeah, if anything, Lila was usually like above all of this and only yes! went after college men and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we're told that she's now feeling a bit left out because Amy and Jessica are settled, but there is one boy who's caught her eye and the others start teasing her about him. And of course, it's him. Oh, God. Yeah. And and it is a whole thing where they kind of pretend like, oh, who could she possibly be thinking about? Or, you know, that she... Oh, yeah, she's kind of getting annoyed as well because no one takes her seriously. Um, 
and just yes. thinks that she's super flighty. So again, it's kind of it's kind of putting Jessica traits onto Lila. But um, yeah, so they they do all this kind of teasing about oh, it's John Pfeiffer, isn't it? You're mad about him. Um, but she's kind of annoyed I think at them teasing her but at the same time Lila is actually pleased because John has been mm. kind of paying a lot of attention to her lately they've kind of hung out a couple of times but not in any kind of yeah. a date way it's just in school sort of he's they chat a lot in the hallways or they run into each other in the car park all that kind of thing yeah she is into like mm. she's you know she's sort of enjoying the fact they're teasing her like it's a bit oh yes don't do you to me um <laughs> but um yeah, they everybody talks about how nice John is. I have to say, this is really well done in terms yeah. of the readership that they're yeah. aiming this at. Yeah, it actually is, in fairness. Because um, at one stage, Jessica says that John isn't Lila's type because, let's face it, Lila, if boys were automobiles, you usually go out with Corvettes. John's more like a Volvo with an airbag. <laughs> and we're told, you know, he's just a hardworking, nice guy. Everybody likes him. Uh, the sort of guy who usually finds Lila frivolous. And Jessica says he's more Liz's type than Lila's, which means we have... Uh, time for a twin comparison but Lila claims that she's uh, serious now and Jessica's like yeah yeah serious about shopping ha 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 see <laughs> yes she is yeah like the shopping part very accurate Lila the flirt eh, a little less much. yeah I mean yeah she's pretty flirty but again she usually is is kind of above it all and like holding out for for college guys or heirs mm. or whatever yeah. <laughs> yeah secret princes or whatever yeah. the hell the man sure. was who had a box of drugs oh god <laughs> well after school she gets in the lime green triumph and she heads into town to get some party supplies and she keeps thinking about John and apparently like he's he the way he treats her really impresses her because it's not like other boys yeah and in, this is a little bit sad actually because there mm. is a line there where it's like Lila is used to being told how pretty she is but not how smart she is um, and this is kind of how he's gotten her attention I think just that he seems interested in her as a person and not because she's rich and pretty um, yeah. and it is a bit like oh uh, but then again it's like they all do also point out it's not that John made her feel special Lila already knew she was special <laughs> um, but it's just the fact that uh, that he seems attracted to the person she is underneath all the money and the beauty and all the rest uh, so yeah that's kind of how he's he's won her over I guess it is. And um, she's just pondering about all uh, about this, uh, pondering this and thinking how um, how the one how they keep sort of bumping into each other mm. um, around school. So obviously he is his eye on her, too. And the one thing that he won't discuss when he's praising Lila to the skies is about his breakup with Jennifer Mitchell. And the one time she's seen him sort of lose his calm and cheerful demeanor is when she brought up him and Jess or him and Jennifer and whether they're still friends. And John's demeanor really changed when she did that. Yeah, apparently when she had mentioned this, he had like instantly become furious. Not in this lifetime, he'd shouted. Um, and like when he saw the shocked look on her face, he realized he'd overreacted and recovered right away. But Lila still found the memory disturbing. So like there is even a seed already there of like just that there might be more to this guy than than you might think. Um, yeah. And it, it is just a thing of, I suppose, when you know what's coming, it's just like, oh God, Lila, trust your, trust your instincts, run away yes. from this boy. Oh, it's just painful to read. Yeah. So she's thinking about all this and she's looking in the mirror of a, oh, the mirror, the window of a party shop and who should appear behind her in the reflection 
but John himself. This this is creepy. Um, but it's not really played as creepy. Uh, no. But yeah, she literally looks up and he's there standing behind her. Um, so she's glad to see him, I guess, because you know she's the guy. He's the guy that she fancies. So like, yeah, mm. fair enough. Um, so yeah, he just says that he had seen her across the street, had to come over, because uh, he has some great news, and apparently she's just the person that he wanted to share it with. Yes, and he can't give her the news just in the t- in the in the street. He has to take her away to lunch or for a coffee, I guess, and mm. um, in a new cafe. And he says, "Only the best for you." And Lila purrs, "I know." <laughs> and uh, when he re- then he reveals his news when they're finally in the cafe, and I, I guess it's exciting, but. Um, I don't know why he had to like have her sitting down before he broke this dramatic news. Because like, yeah, it's good, but you know, it's hardly brace yourself, Lila. Yeah, I can't simply tell you this on the street like some kind of animal. Like, what's yeah. the story here? Because yeah, the whole big fucking hula blue is that he's won an internship with the sports department of the LA Sun. So like, yeah, he's super excited. But also, you could have just told her this outside the shop. Like, this doesn't warrant like a fucking impromptu date indeed well it, uh, Lila's suitably impressed and thinks that he's clearly going places and all mm. her doubts about him now he's it's sort of like he's been validated by the yeah. wider world and he says that after he and Jennifer broke up it really sort of you know damaged his self-esteem but it, Lila's like there's plenty of other fish in the sea <sighs> <laughs> Well, meanwhile, Jessica and Sam are arguing about their costumes because, of course, they have to have a matching <laughs> ensemble. It's the only way to do it. Um, yeah, Jessica is insistent that they go as Romeo and Juliet, but Sam is holding tough, insisting that he will not be wearing tights. Uh, but again, Sam <laughs> is a guy who wore a Batman costume a couple of books ago, and that's not the furthest thing from a pair of now, for being real here, Sam, because at this stage, was it like a Michael Keaton Batman? Are we looking at Adam West Batman? Uh, it's ooh, a tight West, outfit. It's tight. <laughs> right? So it's it's a snug outfit, whatever way you, you cut it. Uh, but no, his, his hard line apparently is wearing tights and he will not be talked around. Well, when Jessica hears that, she gives him a playful punch. Of course, what else? The playful pee, as my notes refer to it. <laughs> and he says, that's the one thing I won't do, not even for you, my little spark plug. Which sounds like, I don't know if you watched uh, Difficult People, one of my favourite shows of the haven't. last few years. Oh, it's good though. oh my God, it's so good. But Julie, Julie Klausner's husband uh, constantly refers to her pet name. His pet names for her are always random things. So we'll always be like, you know, my little bedside lamp for my little... <laughs> You know, toaster or something. And my little spark plug would fit right in. Oh, that's uh, great. Oh, my God. If I'm, there's anybody... around now. I'm like, my little water bottle. Yes, that works. Oh, perfect. <laughs> if anybody out there hasn't watched Difficult People, it is so, so funny. I can't even describe how funny it is. And it definitely in this part of the world, it's available on Now TV oh. on in the peacock section so uh knock yourself out listeners uh it'll cheer, might cheer you up after this grim <laughs> episode um so then we find out that jessica is basically the horniest teenager who ever lived <laughs> oh my god i found this very funny and also kind of weirdly sweet um yeah, because she is, so, she is so desperately horny for sam <laughs> that she literally it scares her how horny she is <laughs> It's true. <laughs> that is literally Jessica's B plot throughout this. And 
it's so funny. It's like, yeah, just super horny, but also weirdly sweet was just my take on this whole thing. So they're kissing. By the way, it's always just kissing. There's no even yeah. like outside the clothes action. No. no. Um, but Jessica feels herself getting carried away. <laughs> and we're told lately, every time the two of them kissed, it was harder and harder to stop. And then she tells Sam, this is serious. I'm getting really worried about this. What if I lose control? And actually, I have to say, Sam is great about consent. Oh, he actually book. is. And I guess this kind of storyline is also trying to inform the main one too, or just kind of show like, mm. I guess, a healthy couple, you know, having their discussions about boundaries and all the rest, and then very much not in the main plot. Um, But yeah, Sam, Sam's great. Like he's just he kind of great. saying, look, yeah. we're, we're both involved here. Nothing's going to happen if we don't want it to. And mm-hmm. we don't, you know, we, just because we like kissing doesn't mean we're going to go too far. We've discussed that already. So they are kind of suggesting, yes, they've had conversations about this and yeah. they're in agreement. So there's no pressure being put on anybody. Um. And he's just like, look, you know, we're in this together. I'm I'm not some sort of wild beast. Uh, it's not uh, it's not like you kiss me and I go brain dead right away. I have as much responsibility for what happens between us as you do. Uh, yeah. And he's like, look, I care about you and I'd never hurt you. So, of course, yeah. Jess takes that as an opportunity to say, so you'll wear the tights. <laughs> <laughs> I but actually I mean genuinely you know this is as you say it is sweet and it, is. it also uh it is it it is a really kind of healthy open discussions about boundaries and what people are prepared mm. to do yeah now as usual and I think a lot of teen dramas possibly to this day but there's never it, the sort of implication is that there is literally nothing between kissing with or without tongues yeah. and full-on penetration Absolutely like riding the holes off each other <laughs> like you could just grab a boob it'll be okay <laughs> you won't get knocked up from a boob grab <laughs> i mean there's like a lot of things you could do between <laughs> a and z like if if z is what you're considering uh, you know which obviously that's all a subjective thing too if that's what you're considering sex um i just don't understand why it is literally like now this or nothing at all like it's it's just kissing or it's full-on penis and vagina banging and there's (laughs) nothing in between it's like there's a lot in between so much in between you guys (laughs) you know you got a lot of fun and but jessica is just like well it's kissing or the next thing will be like swinging from chandeliers (laughs) and you know you can go a bit of fooling around not gonna you know no harm done but i guess her boundaries are very 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 limited despite her extreme horniness which reaches cartoonish levels as it goes on it is amazing she's basically a tex avery wolf (laughs) (laughs) she cannot be alone with sam carried away we're told uh not carried away in a forcing yourself on a bit but you know just they'll both be transported by passion if they're in the same room as each other um so even though sam has made it very clear that like this is about both of them and what each of them want and you know they you know like this is a mutual thing Mm. she can't get rid of the idea that it's up to her to be the one who sort of sets the the limits Mm. eventually she turns to liz 
it's very funny actually she kind of storms yeah, into elizabeth's room like with no hello no preamble she just walks in and it's like how do you do do it that's all i want to know how do you do it but by that she means not do it because liz is like what are you talking about and uh yeah jessica you know liz is making jokes uh and jessica's like no seriously like how do you and todd stay so close and not you know uh because they, they still in jessica's plot don't actually say the word sex which is a little no, they strange don't actually yeah um, yeah, but she kind of explains to Liz that, look, you know, that she's once she starts kissing Sam, she practically forgets what planet she's on. And Liz, Elizabeth gave her a shrewd look. And you think Todd and I don't, she asked. You think Todd and I just shake hands and give each other a peck on the cheek? And it was like, yeah, Liz, that's exactly <laughs> You have way more chemistry, like with Bruce from that Mad Bomber story than you ever have with Todd. Let's be real. <laughs> very, very true. So, um, she, uh, yeah, she's, Jessica is, is amazed as, as we are. Um, <laughs> yeah, apparently Liz and Todd can barely keep their clothes on, but it's like, I don't see any evidence of this and have not in a hundred books. So, okay. <laughs> well, Liz says, yeah, that they, we know what we want and we've set our limits. We know when to stop. And Jessica says, I'm not so sure Sam and I do. I mean, I think we do. Sam thinks we do, but sometimes I'm not so sure but don't say, oh my God, just stick your hands in each other's pants and have a great time. <laughs> Literally, that's the solution. <laughs> just rub one out. <laughs> Problem solved. Horniness sorted. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it'd be far too much to expect uh, any, uh, even any solo masturbation references in these, in these books so the only, the only fingering that goes on is Liz's recorder <laughs> doot, doot. <laughs> she loves that recorder <laughs> um, well sorry listeners we've got to let off the, the stress in some way with puerile jests that's what'll do it <laughs> Well, the next day, Jessica's trying to get her homework finished um, before school. And Liz is all judgmental uh, and is basically looking at her in a judgmental way. And I like that Jessica thinks this is the look that her mother gave her when Jessica forgot to do some tiny little thing like fix supper or walk the dog. (gasps) Prince Albert. Um, So she thinks it must be genetic, she thought. Thank goodness I didn't inherit it, which I quite (sighs) like. Um, So, yeah, apparently Sam came over to do some homework the night before. So maybe this is actually two days later. But uh, they spent all the time canoodling. Pretty much, yeah. Apparently he was supposed to be helping her with her maths homework. But yeah, I think the Wakefield parents were uh, out for the evening. So apparently, yeah, she didn't quite get to any of the homework. And the next thing she knew, the parents were pulling into the driveway. uh, So Sam had to go because there's no... No dry humping in the kitchen, I guess. <laughs> oh, if only they were dry humping. That might at least release some tension. Yeah. Well, uh, Liz is amused by all this, but Jessica isn't. She says that it isn't funny. I'm just as bad as Sam is. Every time I'm near him, I want to kiss him. I'm like a moth to a flame. Hmm. So uh, Jessica says they need a bodyguard and uh, Elizabeth jokes, maybe a grandma could come out to be your chaperone. And I just think this is a job for Aunt Shirley. Bring her back in. <laughs> oh my God, Aunt Shirley is just the woman for the job. <laughs> your time has come, Aunt Shirley. Renew that pills prescription and get your ass <laughs> to Sweet Valley. 
<laughs> Jessica actually wants to be saved from herself this exactly. time. Unlike... It's time to shine, Aunt Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> well, Liz is quite sensible as she tells Jessica, look, please don't go overboard like you usually do. Good point. Uh, this isn't a mega crisis. Loads of couples go through this, you know, it's all about setting boundaries, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But Jessica just uh, refuses to believe that anybody else, especially Liz and Todd, understand what she's going through. <laughs> she says the Todd is less exciting than a plate of cold potatoes. Yeah, that seems rude to potatoes, to be honest. Oh, very harsh, but you know, fair. We're, we're, we're Irish, we enjoy our potatoes. <laughs> we will not take slights on potatoes. True, we will not. Uh, but Jessica is... Uh, was casting aspersions on our national dish as she uh, as she goes on to to say that nobody understands her and nobody's been like this before. And Jessica, or sorry, Elizabeth says, look, you don't have to go to extremes. Just be a bit more disciplined. Um, but Jessica says she's not going to go to extremes. She's going to get out of temptation for a while. So she decides that she and Sam from now on will never be alone, lest they be overcome by horniness. <laughs> <laughs> Pounce on each other. There you go. <laughs> a solution. Well, Liz arrives at school that day and she's unsettled when uh, she hears somebody saying something quite unpleasant inside the Oracle office. Yeah, she's about to walk in when she hears this. Uh, and she, so she hears a boy's voice in quite a bitter tone saying, well, you know what girls are like. They never know what they want. They tell you one thing and then they get mad at you when that's what you do. And she kind of realizes it's John Pfeiffer, um, but has never heard him talk like this before or heard this kind of tone yeah. in him before. And there's like a mumbled response. And next thing the door opens and like a basketball player walks out. Um, so she's kind of puzzled by this I guess side of John that she's never seen or heard before but then when she walks in he's his usual self and she's kind of like oh maybe I didn't hear him right and he was reading copy from the daily paper like she's really just kind of not wanting to believe that it was him that she just heard because it was the sound of an absolute dickhead talking about girls and she's just kind of she kind of just puts it out of her mind and is like no I clearly just misread the situation or whatever uh, because he's so his usual kind of friendly self to her when she walks in she's yeah. like yeah this is all fine so um she uh she congratulates him on his internship which he heard about from jessica via mm. lila and she uh he blushes and when lila's name is mentioned and uh liz is uh it's kind of annoying because she tries to, she to sort of you know, fish for more details and says, you and Lila seem to be getting pretty friendly lately. And John uh, puts a newspaper up in front of his face and Liz pulls it down and says, John Pfeiffer, she said with an impish smile. Can you imagine how annoying that is? Don't think you can fool me. She's the worst. (laughs) She really is. I mean, this is the the condescending shoulder pat in its more sort of... uh, cheery version just can't keep her nose out of anybody uh, of other people's business but um john does finally admit that yes he's been uh, he keeps wanting to ask lila out yeah um and yeah liz is kind of like so you know why why don't you but john is just like oh you know i'm, I'm not one of the handsomest boys or richest or whatever and he kind of says yeah he almost he keeps almost asking her out and then gets cold feet at the last minute and says that she's out of his league. She is. Uh, uh-huh. And Liz is all being, you know, doing her usual like, oh, I'm so reassuring uh, and says, you know, don't put yourself down. You've, you're one of the nicest boys around and you've an internship at the LA Sun. So she kind of talks him up uh, yeah, yeah. and he kind of thinks, God, you know, do you really think I have a chance? Um, 
sometimes I think she really likes me. And then I think about the guys she usually goes out with. Um, and he kind of touches on the um, the breakup with Jennifer because he kind of says, mm. you know, he doesn't think he could stand any more rejection right now. Not after, you know, I just couldn't. Um, so Liz is just kind of urges him to go for it with Lila, basically. Yes. And uh, he seems... He seems heartened by mm. by her words. Like he's basically there's only one way to find out whether she likes you or not. So later, Lila's in a bad mood because apparently for the last few weeks she's kept bumping into John and now he's nowhere to be seen. Then he appears. Uh I guess we could just skip skim through their interactions. Basically, he, she calls him a local hero. He's all modest. Finally asks her out for a date on Saturday. She says yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks thrilled and she struts off confidently and then she turns back and gives him a wink. So uh, Lila is, uh, is you know, the day has been, has been redeemed mm. after all. And at lunch, she's so excited about the prospect of going out with him the next day that she has to sort of, force herself to stay calm and she really thinks that it'll make people see her in a whole new light yeah um I guess yeah apparently everybody's making a really big deal about this internship uh that he has with this big paper mm-hmm. uh, and you know how talented and serious he is so she reckons that it'll be such a shock to everybody that he's interested in her that maybe they'll start taking her seriously too um that you know people will be so surprised by them pairing up you know because they'll say she's so superficial and he's so serious I guess there must be guess there must be more to her than we always thought so it's a, it's a little bit of yeah Lila kind of fed up of being seen as sort of flighty and frivolous and thinking this is this is the thing that people will will take her seriously yeah yeah um so finally um Jess you know she she her friends she's actually kind of annoyed her friends aren't psychic she's like I, how do they know that I have something amazing to tell them um but then Jessica eventually suggests that they all go to the cinema tomorrow and Lila reveals she has a date and everybody's thrilled Caroline's about to spread the word all over town yeah they're all like properly excited and uh yeah they are happy like they do still a little bit of teasing but um I guess they are kind of impressed Caroline kind of she makes this <laughs> such a weird thing for a 16 year old yeah. like, it's really upwardly mobile I mean come on <laughs> but yeah I suppose they they realize John Pfeiffer is going places uh mm. and that he has ambition and whatever and good prospects I guess if we're being all old-timey about it and he's upwardly mobile <laughs> but yeah so um Amy then asks if Lila has asked him to be her date to the costume ball uh, or if she's playing hard to get, then Jess suggests they could go with Superman and Lois Lane. Uh, and Caroline then wants to know, are they serious or is this just another Lila Fowler one date wonder? Mm. But uh, Lila is basically fantasizing about, you know, how they will be a, a perfect power couple. Mm. And Jessica says she'll call her first thing on Sunday to find out how the date went. Meanwhile, on the other side of the cafeteria, Elizabeth Todd, Enid, and Olivia, who doesn't say words as far as I can tell in this conversation, and Dana are arguing about costumes. And I am genuinely amused by Todd's obsession. <laughs> yeah. Um, so apparently Liz has suggested they go as Anthony, Anthony and uh, Cleopatra. But, but Todd, Todd wants to go as a pantomime horse. <laughs> yeah, a pantomime horse, literally. Yeah, because yeah, they kept saying a horse. And I was like, oh, they mean a pantomime horse. They do. But, uh, Liz is absolutely not having it. Um, <laughs> and Todd is really like, I think it would be a lot more fun. You know, it'll be it'll be great crack, basically. And it is a bit endearing from Todd that he's so into going as a panto horse to a party. <laughs> he's really, really into it. Hmm. Like, 
he's like he's 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 very adamant about it and it keeps going for quite a while it does <laughs> which i do like uh now he's not the only one with the animal instincts because <laughs> hugh has quite a scheme yeah, Enid pulls a face at this and says that maybe Todd and Hugh should go together uh, because for some reason Hugh wants to go as a chicken. Yes. I mean, I can't remember if it's here or later we find out why. It, just, it makes it even worse, to be honest. There's, yeah, there's um, Enid. Oh, yeah, because Olivia asks if, he, if he's going as a fried or roasted chicken. Um, but Enid kind of laughs and says it's something to do with his grandmother's farm when he was a child. It's like, yeah. what are you talking about? Like, just go as a guy from a movie or a yeah. fucking cowboy. Come on. <laughs> well, when uh, Dana is asked what her and Aaron are going as, she says, I was thinking of Sean Penn and Madonna. But and Todd says, But Sean and Penn and Madonna aren't a couple anymore. They broke up years ago. Exactly, said Dana. <gasps> yeah, this is news to Liz. Uh, <laughs> of course. She's she's like, What? I didn't she didn't confide in she me. Just, no one confided in her. No one asked for her permission because yeah, it. Elizabeth couldn't believe her ears. She was the one who'd gotten Dana and Aaron together in the first place. <laughs> How dare, dare they not run this by her? Oh my God, they're so rude. Uh, but yes, with her genuine concern, she's wondering that uh, if Dana and Aaron are having trouble and Dana just kind of gives her a look and yeah, says, is the Pacific Ocean deep? So I guess, yeah, there's trouble in paradise for sure for uh, for Dana and Aaron. Well, Dana's going to be having some more romantic opportunities in the next book in the series. So uh, she won't be miserable for long. No. And speaking of that, we cut to the Castledale Wakefield where Jessica's taking in the mail. I suppose guard from Stephen, he's got over Kara already, only like five <laughs> books later. Yeah, he's. I didn't want to think there was a postcard from Stephen. I was like, oh, is he on his holidays? And no, he's just written a postcard from college, I guess. Um, but apparently he's finally decided to join the ski team. And the captain, some woman called Jana, has offered to give him some extra help. Uh, and Liz, of course, is delighted. But I was just like, oh, God, not Steve getting into more extreme sports after his fucking hang gliding, <laughs> face planting into a cliff. Like if he's on a ski team, like how long before he absolutely yeets himself off a slope and into a tree? This man cannot be trusted with sports equipment of any no, sort <laughs> no he cannot but uh but yeah well i get maybe jana will uh kiss it better <laughs> <laughs> but uh he isn't the only correspondent today there's also a letter from prince arthur and i guess this is a a carry-on from sweet valley twins yeah i'm not sure if this would have been written before before or after but yeah I'm guessing it, after because they've sort of set it up that it I think it would just be too random to say oh by the way she has a pen pal who's a prince if they hadn't already <laughs> set it up in Sweet Valley Twins true but yes they 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 do kind of yeah <laughs> recap it somewhat for us because apparently yes Liz and Arthur Castillo the crown prince of Santa Dora had oh, been writing uh, to each other on and off since he had visited Sweet Valley four years ago uh, but it had been a lot more off than on until lately and Jessica points out apparently he used to write her like one letter a year at Christmas uh, but yeah. lately there's one a week turning up so yes yeah. hmm. 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 <laughs> uh, so uh, Jessica asks if Todd is uh, is jealous and Liz says of course not but, <laughs> yeah Jessica's like I mean, why do you say, of course not? He's been so ridiculously jealous. Are you jealous of you writing fucking letters to strangers a week ago? I know, it's so funny that she's just like, God, what does Todd have to get jealous about? Todd never gets jealous. Like, Todd is literally made of jealousy and furious punches. What are you talking about? 
Well, the next day, Todd turns up at the Casa de Wakefield to make their costumes, but they're still arguing. And oh, God. Yeah, the, the, the Liz keeps suggesting kind of boring ones, to be honest. She suggested like Napoleon and Josephine and then George and Martha Washington. Um, but yeah, she's just giving no quarter to Todd's pantomime horse idea, unfortunately <laughs> for him. Uh, but yeah, they just keep kind of rowing about it until Todd uh, comes up with one that he really thinks has has sorted it all out. He says he's really got it. Uh, she's going to love this. He's like, you're really going to love this. He even pauses dramatically, rubbing his hands together and announces that they should go as a cowboy and a dance hall girl. Liz is very ridiculously outraged by this. Ugh, I think. I, mean, I, don't I, kinda, I heard this and I was like, yes, lovely. That sounds cool. Yeah. Have a bit of crack with it, lads. My goodness. Uh, but yeah, she's kind of enraged by this. She's like, you want me to dress up as a dancehall girl? Todd, I'd rather be the back end of the horse. Uh, <laughs> and Todd, Todd is kind of confused. And she's like, Todd, I am not the dancehall girl type. I should have <laughs> thought you'd know that. Now, if you want to go with Jessica. Ooh. And it's like, what is the problem here? That's a fun costume. You are yeah. so boring. <laughs> I mean, unless you, you should just go as a 70-year-old retiree and you just wear your normal clothes. <laughs> just wear your usual fucking chinos and a silk blouse. Job done. <laughs> Bring a golf club. <laughs> well, when they're mid-argument, uh, Jessica comes in with another letter from your prince and Todd, like us, there's only one prince in mind. Yeah, he's like, what's happening? The dog is writing you letters? <laughs> Aww. And uh, Jessica says, not Prince Albert, Prince Arthur. And Liz finally tells Todd that her friend Arthur Castillo is thinking of coming to Sweet Valley for another visit. So he's been writing more than usual uh, late, lately. And Todd is like, three letters in how long? Um, and uh, uh Jessica answers immediately two weeks I love that she just jumps in. oh Jessica is getting absolutely stuck in here like she made such a big production of like bringing in this letter when it was the two of them in the room and like yeah. Liz even thinks god why does Jessica have to make such a big deal of everything <laughs> but yeah she's straight in there with like yeah three letters in two weeks um yeah. and yeah then as they're kind of gearing up for another argument I think she hears Jessica hears the, the, a car horn outside and she's like oh there's Sam see ya and just kind of flits away leaving them to it which is brilliant like the usual <laughs> agent of chaos she is yeah. um, so there's a kind of silly conversation here because Todd is like look I believe that you don't have any ulterior motive in corresponding with Arthur but he might and Liz is all like you know even though Todd is actually saying I totally trust you Liz hmm. gets all pointlessly super defensive and uh, I was worried we were going to have one of their ridiculous misunderstanding argument things that went over the whole book but luckily they don't really push this one too far thank hmm. god yeah, they're saving it all for the next one. <laughs> well, meanwhile, Jessica is refusing to sit in the front seat of the car in case she gets overwhelmed with lust. <laughs> yes, poor Sam is like looking at her in the rearview mirror and he's like, I'm not a chauffeur. Come back up the front, will you? But Jess is refusing. She is sitting in the back seat of the car, basically being driven around by Sam <laughs> because she's like, nope, no temptation. Uh, but Sam is like, what could possibly happen while I'm driving? Um, but she reckons, nope, that this is uh, the whole point is, is to establish a pattern of restraint, setting limits and sticking to them. So she's basically just, uh, yeah, sitting in the back like Lady Penelope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she does kind of resemble a little bit yeah she could pull off a pink pillbox hat for sure oh, she could <laughs> so does Sam look like Parker Parker oh, looks God, more I, like I, yeah. Noel Gallagher 
True. Yeah, I don't think Sam does look like Parker. <laughs> well, we cut to Fowler Crest, where Lila's try, you know, getting ready and trying on lots of outfits. And I guess we have already basically described her outfit when you describe the cover. Yeah, exactly, because it is it is the outfit from the book that is on the cover, mm. and yeah, it's a black lycra dress. There is an added detail here that it's um that she wears it with a crushed velvet jacket, which does sound lovely, but just it's not going to be any fun to come back to at the end of the book because of the night that's in it. Yeah, um, so that's just the the full outfit there for you. Yes, and uh, yeah, she's she thinks it you know gives the sort of grown up, sophisticated look that people mm. will you know make will ensure people take her seriously. And when John Collector, he, he's like awestruck by her beauty and he keeps praising her all the way through dinner when they go to the restaurant. And um, Lila's almost taken aback by how direct he is with all this. So, I mean, it sounds alarming, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, he's kind of all for... Um like whatever the next date is going to be or can he take her for a picnic the following yeah. day? Um, and... Yeah, he keeps kind of, apparently, yeah, she, Lila's kind of delighted by it, though. She's kind of, apparently, this is like, it's the fourth or fifth time John had said we in connection to something they might do in the future, mm-hmm. tomorrow or next week or even two weeks from now. Uh, and she kind of likes it um, and starts to to get the appeal of belonging to a couple that it gives you a sense of security and of being wanted. Um, so, yeah, I guess he is coming on relatively strong or stronger than Lila yeah. would be used. Yes. Um, so it, it, she's delighted with it all anyway and um she you know she she doesn't even want to play games or you know mess around mm. with them so when he does suggest a date the next day like it's 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 very un, uncharacteristic of her to not like try and string him on or you know as she might normally yeah. do with a uh, with a potential bow she wouldn't want to make them think she was you know had nothing better to do so she is very much she's all in and she can't remember when she had such a romantic evening. So um, they they go, they finish their dinner at the Box Tree Cafe. They dance under the stars. And then she says, why don't we go for a drive? And uh, John whispers back, what a wonderful idea. And from now on, if mm. you want to take a break, uh, we'll put in the show notes where what time in this recording you can uh, you can come back in because yeah. it's going to get uh, very unpleasant. I think mm-hmm. probably we, we could have been more specific on trigger warnings in the past. So uh, yeah. yeah, this is, uh, we'll, we'll make it clear to you where this will, this scene will end. Mm. Uh, so they go to Miller's point. Lila knows that when she suggested going for a drive, that's where they're going to be. Uh, there's nobody else there and they kiss and it's passionate and it's great and she she's really into it mm-hmm. but then she's not really into it yeah there is even kind of kind of early on I suppose as they're kissing there is like a voice in the back of her head saying that it's going a bit too fast and if you don't stop now you know you might be sorry um so she does kind of pull back and say look you know I think we'd better be going now I, I do have a curfew uh and John is like oh just one more kiss you know you, I can't tell you how good being with you makes me feel and Lila's like yeah okay me too so they do kiss a bit more um but again, she's there's just this kind of warning bell in her head and she's trying to slow things down a little bit, trying to even just lighten up the kisses somewhat. So it's just a bit more kind of brief and not as intense. Yeah. Uh, but John isn't slowing down. So she she 
what is it? She pushed the flat of her hand against his chest. So she actually does kind of like put her hand on him and say, look, I, I really think we better stop. Um, I want to go home. Mm. Yeah. And this is when things get really bad because uh, she uh, she expects him to laugh. She expects him to sort of, you know, just give her a hug and mm. go, OK, cool. We, you know, we'll. Like, yeah, to kind of snap out of it and be like, oh, okay, you know, let's, yeah, we better stop. Let's, let's yeah, just you're right. call it a yeah. night and go home. But of course he doesn't. Uh, and he says, I don't want to stop. I want to keep going. And he's kind of holding on to her even tighter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And she's, uh, it's she, uh, the way it's kind of said in it is like, she's never been with a boy as intense and serious as John before, but she's also never been with a boy who wouldn't listen to her mm. and with a boy she couldn't trust. So even right now she's kind of starting to feel like she can't yeah. trust him and really doesn't kind of know what he might do next yeah because this is never he has crossed a line mm. that she's she's never experienced before and she pushes him away a bit harder and says look I mean it I have to get home now and suddenly he's loud and it's like what's the matter all the tenderness in his voice is completely gone he says don't you like me and she's she's actually afraid of this and it's sort of like of course I like you uh she hopes her nervousness isn't showing it's just horrible like she is afraid of him um yeah she's just trying to diffuse the situation I think at this stage just to be like you know I, li- I like you a lot you know that but I have to get home uh and then he's like oh you'll get home and starts to give her these kind of like little kisses again and she's kind of reassured yeah and she kisses of, him back like. she does yeah and says you know a few a few quick kisses that's all but then, of course, things turn again. And yeah, without any warning, he kisses her so hard that her head actually bangs against the doorframe of the car. And he doesn't even stop to see if she's OK, because mm. like that does sound quite painful. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of when she starts to realize like the panic starts to set in and she realizes that he's out of control, as the book puts it. Uh, yeah. And does say, John, stop. I mean, it. stop this second. Yeah. And he presses her against the door and says, like, don't fight it. Just relax. And she is struggling against him, saying, no. Uh, John no and he literally says you know you like it you know you don't want, really want me to stop she heard him unbuckle his belt Ugh. and she says yes I do and she's really panicking now I want you to stop right now and she shoves him back so hard he hits the dashboard and she can see that he's smiling at her and it's so scary it's so like, scary like I felt sick reading this whole scene to be honest um, yeah like it is horrible and yeah it's the fact that he's smiling at her all the way through this like he's yeah. just like you know you're teasing me Lila you shouldn't tease and again Lila you know she'd heard of boys acting like this but thought it was only in books and movies and never thought anyone that she knew would act like this and especially someone that she talks to so much and likes and that he could scare so much that he could scare her so much just really freaks her out uh she tells him to stay away from her but uh, he kind of comes towards her again. So this time she slaps him uh, and he laughs again. And it's just, oh. he's he is just relentless and it is just horrible. It is. And also I think it's, it's a really, really good point that for younger readers to, you know, to be aware of that she, that he is, you know, this isn't a, a situation where it's a, you know, it's not, she has a, a Charlie Cashman type who we know is a disgusting person. Yeah. It is somebody who she knows and trusts and who she is friends with, she thinks. Mm. Like, and who, you know, is part of a, he, he's not some sort of, um, like, out, outlaw. 
he's like, not some outsider like Rick Andover kind of coming in. Yeah. Like he's someone that's been established within the books all the way through this series. Like he had his own storyline with the him and Jennifer getting together book. Yeah. Um, like he is an established Sweet Valley character. And it is that whole thing of like, yeah, it, it could be somebody that you know and that you think you yeah. know. Yeah. It's a nice guy. You know, it's exactly. Uh, yeah. Everyone likes him. Yeah. Yeah. So she's think she just keeps thinking it can't be happening. Not to me. And he's all like, oh, I knew you had a wild streak. And he grabs her hair and he's like, you like it, don't you, Lila? And um, but now you're trying to tell me that you oh, she says you want this to happen. But now you're trying to tell me that you don't. I hate it when a girl says one thing and then changes her mind. And she just she just keeps thinking, OK, I have to think I have to think I have to do something. And then she sees the car keys. Yeah, so they're in the ignition and really close to her hand. So she reckons if she could just grab them, she could use them as a weapon. So again, John is still kind of just being awful and taunting oh, her, saying, you started this, you can't stop now. So Lila snatches the keys uh, from behind him and actually jabs them hard into his neck. And like, fucking brilliant. Nice one, Lila. Yeah. Um, so of course, he's so shocked. He actually lets go of her. Uh, and she just absolutely like manages to get the door open, staggers out and kind of swings her bag at him because he can, yeah. his arm is kind of reaching out for her. Uh, and she just screams at him to get away from her. She's like, I'm warning you. And he kind of freezes and maybe, I don't know, like realizes what he's done. Not really. Yeah. That's not really the case here at all. Like he knows what he's done and what he's like, but he kind of, he tells her, calm down, get in the car, I'll drive you home. Um, and he's kind of trying to sound like he normally does. And for a second, Lila almost believes that she should just get in the car, let him drive her home and, you know, actually just get home. But of course, she can't get the last few minutes out of her mind yeah. and just screams at him never to come near her again. And amazingly, she oh. still has the car keys in her hand and just flings them over the edge of Miller's point, which is brilliant. It is brilliant. And he screams, you little witch, because they can't have the word that he really would have said in yeah. there. And Lila just runs down the road as fast as she can, crying, and she can hear him looking for the car keys. And she just keeps telling herself, you're all right, you're all right, he didn't hurt you, you'll be mm. all right. And it's actually genuinely really upsetting. It is oh, like I really oh I was yeah it's it's horrible like that whole scene is horrible to read but it is done very well in fairness yeah, to the ghostwriter yeah it actually is um and the next day Lila is uh, is woken up by the uh, early in the morning and we're told that she managed to stop at a gas station on the main road and got a cab to take her home um and she's probably physically hurt like she is injured she's got marks like. Yeah, she's got, uh, there's a bruise on her wrist. Uh, her face is scratched from his watch, I think, from when he grabbed her yeah. hair. Um, so she just obviously can't get the whole thing out of her mind. And it's just like every time she closes her eyes nearly, she can just, the whole thing is replaying mm. in her head uh, yeah. the whole time, which is awful. It is horrible. Yeah, so she constantly has flashbacks, like basically mm. from the, you know, from this day on. And she decides that uh, she, or she, sorry, Jessica rings, um, well, the phone rings and she knows it's Jessica, as promised, but she can't bear to talk to her because she knows that Jessica knows her well enough that she'll guess that something's wrong. And she cannot bear the thought of anybody finding out what happens. And she remembers John saying, you know, you wanted it, basically. And she's she's worried that people will feel the same way and they won't believe her. Mm. So she basically decides she's not going to tell anyone what happened. She's going to bury it right down. She takes mm -hmm. the clothes she wore. She throws them in the bin. She has a long shower. And then she finally answers a phone call from Jessica. And, and Jessica is a great friend in this book. 
Because Jessica yeah, knows from the start something's wrong. Absolutely. Jessica ha- has kind of been on a roll, I feel like, with the last couple of books where she's just she in, in that kind of very observant, good sister, good friend, yeah. like is kind of seeing things that people aren't picking up on. And just, yeah, is in, is in, it's, it's really good Jessica mode that we always like really enjoy when she's, when she's on the ball like this. Um, so yeah, she, I think it's the following day. It's like the Sunday evening, potentially, I think before Jessica actually manages to get her on the phone. Um, so she's like, you know, I've been waiting to hear about this date and, and what's the story. Um, but of course, Lila kind of just says, oh, you know, it was okay. Uh, mm. And Jessica kind of says nothing because she's obviously expecting to hear more. But then Lila's like, oh, you know, he's a nice, but he's not exactly royalty. And then just kind of changes the subject when Jessica's like, oh, why? What happened? I knew you, you know, you'd think he wouldn't be good enough for you. Did he, did he not know which fork to use for his salad? But oh, even just oh. hearing his name is just freaking Lila out. Yeah. So she just changes the subject to Jessica and Sam and just says, you know, have you decided what you're wearing to my party yet? Um, she just doesn't want to talk about John at all but of course that's the whole yeah. point of Jessica's phone calls so it's it's kind of a tricky one to dodge yeah and uh, again Jessica um, she she knows that Jessica will see, will basically see through any yeah. sort of um, you know she can't keep up the facade of like oh it was you know it was just a bit crap for long so she makes an excuse saying that her dad is home and she just hangs up basically yeah. and it's actually really what what happens next is very stark and very direct because she really wants to tell Jessica, but she thinks, how can she explain what happened? And we're told she imagined saying, Jessica, John Pfeiffer tried to rape me last night. Like they use that word. Yeah, I was, again, kind of surprised because like, they don't even say the word sex. So for them to say the word rape in a sweet value yeah. book. And I think they did mention like a rape crisis. They did, yeah. Uh, Centre uh, a couple of books ago, I think, to do with Project Youth. Um, and even then it was kind of like, oh, OK, well, good. They're being direct. Yeah. Um, and again, it's still always just a little bit shocking to even just see the word and then for them not to dance around it. Because even in, was it Friend Against Friend? They wouldn't even say the word, oh, not Friend Against Friend. It was the one with somebody's parents being racist, but they just kept dancing around the word racist. Oh. Oh, it was Rosa. It was yeah. oh, no. It was no. It was the one with them. Um, what's his name? With Manuel. Oh, Manuel. Sandy and Manuel. That was it. Yes. Like it was like some like her parents were super racist, but they never just said the word racist in the book, and it was really frustrating. So uh, it's good that they're being direct. Yes, they and they they are they really are in fairness. Um, and yeah, she when she imagines telling Jessica this she imagines Jessica laughing and saying oh come on John Pfeiffer's one of the most serious the nicest boys at Sweet Valley High not some lowlife who just crawled out from under a bush he might have bored you to death talking about basketball but he'd never attack you so she starts blaming herself and it's actually really upsetting it is yeah and again this is all just how she'd imagined the conversation going uh and she kind of thinks you know everyone everyone already thinks that she's flighty and irresponsible you know she's the flirty one um and then yeah it's it's all just she just really kind of piles on herself really and is like what if what John had said was true what if she had encouraged him and it is just the self-doubt is just so sad to see and I guess it is realistic too because it is just that thing of like god what if I did do something or should I have done something differently or this kind of is my fault but like Mm. of course that's not the case but it is just kind of where where people's minds can go after something like this and also what's realistic is she is you know is is thinking of the contrast between how she always thought she'd act and how Mm. and what the reality was like because she thinks of the harassment article and apparently Liz went around asking all the girls if they knew what they'd do if a teacher came on to them. And Lila remembers that she said, yeah, a good swift kick should do the trick. And 
the thing is, like, the I mean, thank God I've never been sexually assaulted, but mm. I when I was about eighteen. Uh, I was on a bus at night and a man sat next to me and started a goddess like lad out and started oh wanking away which Jesus. is the sort of thing that if you had said that to me before I'd have thought oh you know I'll make some sort of snappy remark and I'm yeah. on a bus and there's other people there and I froze I stood eventually I just stood up really quickly yeah. and he went downstairs and I was shaking and yeah. I would have thought beforehand you know oh um, somebody you know public transport does something creepy you're like mm. oh sorry is this your hand i found it on my bum you know that sort of thing i could do nothing like that and that was not even a ser- you know a massively serious God. event mm. and fairness, i had the best bus driver in the world because i realized that the creep was still on the bus and i was so scared from following me home from the bus to, uh, oh. from the bus stop that i went down and told the driver because he hadn't got off before okay. you know, coming up to my stop yeah. the driver was incredible he radioed to the guard the station oh my god the brilliant he drove the bus really slowly <gasps> so the guards would have time to to be outside and then when we pulled up at the bus stop the guards were waiting the uh the the bus wanker tries to escape and a man stood up and said I know he did something because I saw that girl was really upset upstairs. Oh my God. And he held him back. Holy shit, that's amazing. And then they, the guards took him off the bus. Then God knows what happened next. Oh, look, not very much, I know, but, but Jesus, fair play to that bus driver. And fair play to you for saying it as well because it is so scary if something like that happens. You do freeze and it's like, you just don't know what to say or what to do. And it's always afterwards, you're like, should have done this and I should have done that. Uh, but even telling the bus driver, Jesus, brilliant. Like, my well, God, think- I'm so glad that it's worked out that way <laughs> but I have to say that the, the bus driver and the man who had seen yeah. like he hadn't seen what exactly happened what happened he yeah. saw me stand up re- and look really freaked he knew and, something and was off the, yeah the creep scuttled downstairs you see mm. he stayed on the bus um, and yeah. so it was an example where uh where men actually back you up and do something good um oh God. but again I really was shocked at how frozen I was frozen I was and yeah. in that case as well the only reason I said something to the bus driver I was terrified of walking mm. home at night yeah. on my own yeah that creepazoid possibly getting off at my bus stop mm. you know walking down a suburban street Fuck. oh jesus past yeah. green like um so it was just pure i think fear at that mm. stage of something else happening um but I, that really you know obviously it's not the same thing as what happened to lila but her thinking of like what she thought she'd do yeah in yeah. a fucked up situation and what mm-hmm. actually happened just rings really true because it i is. don't yeah. like people freeze all the time oh absolutely yeah and it is always like oh I know what I'd do but like yeah when it's when something like that is happening it is just that case you just shut down and it's like shit I don't know what to do or you just yeah. can't even think yeah and even you know if it is just something that's oh god relatively it says the fact I'm saying relatively minor, I know it's still a horrible thing that happened like yeah that it's uh you know something in theory might seem like oh yeah I'd be able to handle that and it's it's just the the powerlessness that you might mm. feel could yeah. be could just take all that out of you. So I really felt so bad for Lila blaming herself. I mean, you feel bad for Lila throughout this entire book. So, oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, because she reminds herself that this happens to lots of girls, and then she remembers Project Youth, and she is going to ring them, but then she she doesn't. This is oh. awful. I know, and I really hoped she would, but yeah, yeah, she just, yeah, she kind of realizes, of course, it's all anonymous, but then she just, she even picks up the receiver, but then says, you know, starts panicking again, and is like, God, what if they didn't tell her it wasn't her fault? What if they said she should never have gone up to Miller's Point in the first place? What if they asked her what she'd been wearing? And like, that's still such a fucking yeah. prescient thing, like, that is asked of people, and it's just like, it's so depressing that it feels like 
certain things have not moved on at all from here. Um, but yeah, she's just really, the self-doubt really kicks in and she worries as well that the volunteer might recognize her, uh, recognize her voice oh. and say, oh, isn't that Lila Fowler, the biggest flirt in Sweet Valley High? And it's just really sad that she just feels like there's no one she can talk to. Yeah, so she's she's just completely isolated and she bursts mm. into tears. No. Well, from the miserable to the ridiculous, Jessica and Sam are in the park, burning off of their horny energy. <laughs> Yeah, finally, Prince Albert has been brought out for a walk, which oh. I've never seen before. That poor dog. Um, yeah, so they're they're out playing fetch uh, with the poor neglected puppy. And uh, yeah, uh, Jessica is saying that exercise is supposed to be very good for when you have a lot of, you know, energy. <laughs> <laughs> so Sam has been humouring her all this time anyway and has been willing to go along with this new hands-off policy that she has, but he does complain about it. Yeah. Um, but Jessica feels kind of reassured by this because she reckons, look, if he didn't really care, then he wouldn't be that bothered by all of this like nonsense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so they're, you know, they're still being very cute. Um, but yeah, I think he's getting a little bit fed up with this uh, mm-hmm. glass window that Jess seems to have between them at the minute. <laughs> And uh, I mean, in fairness, her completely her policy where they can only they can never be on their own is quite hard work. It's true, a lot of um, effort. But yeah, as you say, like he, the fact he's going along with us just shows he is he's a good guy. He is. <gasps> oh well, that was not <laughs> So he asks about Lila's big date went, and Jessica again says she just didn't seem like herself on the phone, and she know she says there's no one I know better than Lila except Liz. I think I can tell when something is wrong, and I definitely think something's wrong, and says that even if it was a boring date, she would have given her all the dirt, and it's just not like her to to be so reserved. So she's genuinely worried. So uh, yeah, she is a great friend again in this book. Yeah, she's definitely knows something is off with Lila for mm. sure because she's just yeah she didn't sound like herself on the phone that time. So I think it's still Sunday at this stage. So we she mm. hasn't gotten to school yet even. But yeah, yeah, even just from that very brief phone call, she's like, no, something's something's not right here. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's an eater in the dairy burger, and Lila says that Hugh is still obsessed with chicken. If I can't get him to change his mind pretty soon, I'll end up going as Colonel Sanders. <laughs> Okay, that actually would be kind of good, Colonel Sanders yes. and a chicken. I'm kind of into that. <laughs> I'm actually sad that it go as this <laughs> duo. <laughs> so Liz says, oh, she can't understand boys because Todd is being all weird about Arthur. In f- I mean, really, like, letter. Have you not learned anything from the last book? But anyway, um, <laughs> I guess Todd is just doesn't trust Arthur rather than Liz. Mm. And even Liz wonder if they had boys who just even speak the same language. Ha ha ha. So on Monday, poor Lila is dreading school and she knows that she's going to have to face all her friends being like, oh, how was the big date? But she's going to have to face John, of course. That's the worst thing. And she's really, she imagines what it's going to be like. She imagines him sort of giving her a sly grin and um, when she's not a million miles off what does mm. happen. And she's tempted to pull the sickie, but she realises that's just postponing the inevitable. So she decides to... Uh, to go in early and just be as normal as possible yeah meanwhile at the Castell Wakefield Alice is surprised to see Jessica up so early after her busy day yesterday fervently that to avoid temptation <laughs> she's um uh, just did some hard labour 
Yeah, they volunteered to help uh, Alice and Ned, I think, to uh, to clean out the garage. So they were just hauling stuff over and back all day long. So that's what they put their horny energy to work at. <laughs> um, but uh, but Alice apparently is a little concerned. She reckons that uh, usually Jess and Sam can't wait to get away from uh, the two of them. She's like, you two practically carry a sign that says three's company. So um, she kind of says, you know, you can you know, you can go off by yourselves if you want to and Jessica's like my own mother encouraging me to be alone with Sam <laughs> welcome to the good old days when fathers lock their daughters in towers so it seems like yeah Alice is a little concerned that uh, that they were kind of formal with each other mm. uh, the previous day and she said you know your father and I have always liked the way you and Sam are so relaxed and affectionate together um, if anything you'd feel like a classic parent thing would be that you'd prefer them to be a little more formal with each other and not to be like <laughs> seconds away from riding each other in the garage like at but, all um, times exactly yeah just bubbling over with horny energy but yeah Alice uh, <laughs> Alice apparently is just a little concerned that uh, that, that things she wants to make sure things are okay between, uh, between yes. and Sam. <laughs> uh, by the way when she says that they you know as you said they usually practically carry a side that says three's company surely it should be two's company it's like two's company three's a crowd that's oh, yeah. the unless she's just so into in our rendezvous, three's company too. <laughs> it's mean, like I'm advertising for a third. Like, yeah. What's happening? Wandering around with a sign saying three's company. <laughs> or they just love 70s sitcoms. But, or you that. know, uh, I mean, who doesn't just love a bit of three's company? John Ritter, <laughs> comedy legend. Well, uh, me, on a more grim note, uh, Lila arrives at school and she's never felt insecure before and she just feels like she's in a horror film that she's she goes into the school and she's expecting John to like pop up from you know every corner like a scary monster in a film mm. and then she finally sees him yeah and oh it's it's so it's so awful because she even does for a second kind of wonder is he going to actually turn up and be like it was all a mistake and I'm really sorry and I don't know what came over me can you forgive me um and she just thinks she's run through every possible scenario for what it would be like to actually come face to face with him. But then when she eventually does, uh, yeah, there was nothing she could have done to protect herself from the contemptuous look in those green eyes. And she just feels like she's just nothing uh, when he walks past her. Um, It's just, it's awful. Like he's chatting with Aaron Dallas, I think. Yeah, Uh, he is. And John just kind of, no, Aaron says hello to her. John Mm. says nothing. Uh, and then as they walk past her, John laughs and this really harsh kind of laugh. Uh, yeah. So Lila just feels really humiliated. Um, so he just he just gave her a horrible look, basically, didn't say anything to her and then just kind of did this horrible laugh, I guess, as as he walked past. So it was really oh. just kind of trying to make her feel small and embarrassed. Yeah. And I want him dead. Oh, my God. It just he is. I mean, there's a reason we've been booing him for like yeah. 100 books. And yeah. So she sees Amy and co and they want all the deets and Lila is just, you know, she's fl- her voice is flashed. She's, she just seems lifeless. Um, but that doesn't put them off. And Amy says, I, I saw John on my way in and he cut me dead. What did you do to him? Hit him when he wanted to kiss you goodnight. And the next line is the books in Lila's hand fell to the floor. And it's very effective. Like, yeah, like... Um, <laughs> Again, like I know the thing is, our, our bar is so low for Sweet Valley standards in in terms of handling sensitive issues. But this book really does 
do it quite well. Yeah. Uh, and again, Jessica, not missing anything, helps her pick up the books and she's like, are you all right? And there's real concern in her voice. Um, so she, like Lila can feel Jessica staring at her because like she, she just she knows her friend will know that something's up and does know that something's up. So she just kind of just snaps at them and says, you know, I don't know why you guys can't leave me alone. Um, and uh, yeah, Jessica's like, you know, we didn't mean anything by it. But um, mm. yeah, then I think Amy kind of continues with the tea. It's like Amy and Caroline aren't picking up. On yeah, the they're not at all. all here, like to a ridiculous not degree, because Lila's clearly just not interested in this conversation. Um, and they're just kind of like, oh, have you met the one boy who can resist your charms? Um, <laughs> so Lila just kind of just says, look, I've got to go. I've got a meeting and just kind of turns on her heel and hurries away from them. And by the way, how they don't notice when Jessica is uh, notices that Lila's hardly wearing any makeup and she's wearing a dress, we're told that Mrs. Wakefield wouldn't even wear to the supermarket. <laughs> so, you know, just a bit of a sick bird on Alice. But, uh, guess, yeah, it's like when I throw Alice under the bus just for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> so she, you know, to Jessica and to us, it's obvious that something is wrong. Well, after school, housekeeper Eva offers to make Lila chicken soup because she's really looking pale and wan. But Lila mm. knows that won't cure her ills. And apparently she bumped into John like half a dozen times today. And she has a new fear. And uh, it's pretty grim and it's not, you know, completely unfounded. Yeah, she she kind of starts to wonder, like, what if what if John starts talking about her and mm. She kind of says, you know, he'll tell everybody that I'm easy and he'll say it was all my fault. And she kind of remembers then what happened to Liz with Chris Lynch. So that was the stolen diary time where like he had gotten back at Liz and spread rumors about her. And she kind of realizes that if people believed rumors about someone like Liz, you know, being like overeager at Miller's point with Chris, she's like, well, then is there any chance of Lila being, you know, yeah. actually convincing anyone that she was a victim in this? Yeah. Um, and then she kind of realized she couldn't even convince herself at this point because all that self-doubt is just kind of piling mm. in on top of her. And then Jessica rings and she, again, she's such a great friend. Mm. We're told Lila Fowler said Jessica in her no-nonsense voice, I want to know what's going on. And um, she pushes, she doesn't really, you know, and she pushes as far as she she can. Like she doesn't really, she doesn't force or get aggressive with Lila, demanding no. really, you know, <laughs> like bullying her and telling no. the truth. And uh, uh, but it doesn't work. And Lila fobs her off and then slams down the phone and starts to cry. Oh God, yeah, poor Lila. She just, she just can't bring herself. Like she's about to start crying. I think when she's on the phone to Jess because yeah. Jess is like, look, I'm your best friend. If something's wrong, if something's happened, please just tell me. Uh, so she does just kind of, yeah, make some excuse about leaving the bath running and hangs up on her. Mm. But like, she does want to tell Jessica, but yeah. she just kind of can't bring herself, I guess, to even say it out loud, which again, feels very relatable. Yeah, I'm very sad. Mm. Well, after school, Sam and Jessica meet to work on their costumes for the party. They're going as two iconic characters. Oh, Love this for them. <laughs> <laughs> Go, please explain who they go again. Oh, it's so good. Yes, in the end, as their compromise to Romeo and Juliet and some kind of biker gang, they're going to go as Princess Leia and Han Solo. And yes. I absolutely love this. <laughs> so do I. And uh, she, Jessica expresses some concern about Lila because she's worried like she hasn't talked about the date. Like how bad mm. could it have been? But Sam isn't interested in Lila. He, and I guess you can't really blame him because what is happening is ridiculous. He just, he's finding Jessica's hands off rule very difficult because 
as he says, you're making me feel like some kind of criminal. All I have to do is hold your hand and you act like I'm attacking you. Now, in fairness to him, she has gone to an extreme. I mean, it is classic Jessica, yeah, that she's yeah. just kind of overcorrecting um, somewhat here. And she she does kind of, she feels a pang when he says this and kind of says, oh no, he usually respects her wishes, especially when it was something this serious. And she says, look, it's just, I'm so afraid of losing control. Um, and she looks kind of unhappy and he's like, look, don't you trust me? I'm not some guy who wandered in off the street. You know me. Um, and Jess kind of explains that it's not Sam, it's herself that she doesn't trust. Uh, and Sam is like, okay, but I trust you. And again, yeah. it is kind of sweet. Like, and he's like, look, it's like there's a glass wall between us. And if you won't let me act like your boyfriend, maybe we should just be friends for a while. Um, and it's not really what Jessica wants to hear, of course. But, but she agrees. But she agrees. And she's like, well, what else could they do? And she's like, well, maybe you're right. Maybe we should just be friends. And it's like, it's not quite that they've broke or it doesn't feel like they've broken up. It's like they're just. And again, Sam like is so great because he's just like, OK, look, he holds, he holds out his hand and he's like, let's shake on it, buddy. Um, yeah. and he's not being a dick about it. Not at all. Like they're just kind of like, look, let's just absolutely cool it off completely and just just hang out as friends. And until we get a handle on this fucking situation. Um, and Jessica's kind of, she shakes his hand back and she's like, maybe we picked the wrong costumes for this party. Maybe we should have gone as R2-D2 and C-3PO. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would have paid to see that. Now, there you go. So Jessica wheeling it. around in a bin. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, if only. <laughs> the dream. Well, Sam says, we'll tell them we're Princess Leia and Han Solo for the first movie, but they still didn't like each other. <laughs> so, I mean, my notes do say, how fucking horny is she that she would rather sort of have them go on a total break than have any sexual contact with them at all? I mean, like, she's very <laughs> horny. <laughs> <laughs> There's a new level to horny that Jessica Wakefield has discovered, apparently. <laughs> I'm starting to feel that I was like dead from the waist down. <laughs> in my Damn, are we all just really missing out? <laughs> Because she is literally like, I really like my boyfriend, but I cannot be alone with him lest I give way to my passions. Like I like him so much, we cannot be boyfriend and girlfriend anymore. <laughs> the only way. That's literally it. Yeah. Very weird. <laughs> well, we cut to Tuesday where Liz is at the canteen with Todd, Enid, Maria and Winston. And they see John sit down with several members of the basketball team on the other side of the cafeteria. And Liz says how weird it is that John was so excited about the date with Lila, but he hasn't mentioned it really since it happened. Um, Todd says that apparently John's told him that, no, oh, the date was just a silly joke. And now Lila's even more shallow than everyone thinks. And we get a reminder, and this is why Enid comes up very much trumps later in this book in an extremely nice moment. But because when Todd says that, Enid makes a face and says, oh, please, she couldn't be more shallow. Um, so, uh, we, you know, Enid doesn't like Lila and has good mm. reason not to like Lila. Mm, true. And the girls say all agree that like it's weird because Lila won't talk about it either like it's what the hell happened but the mm. boys brush it off they don't think it's a big deal the girls are you know feel something's up yeah 
So later, Jessica gives, or Lila gives Jessica a lift in the lime green triumph. And uh, Jessica's still worried about her. We're told that just a few day, y- days ago, Lila had been one of the most attractive girls in Southern California. But now she would have been lucky to come as, um, in as a runner-up in a Miss Organic Egg beauty contest. Now, how times have changed. A Miss <laughs> Organic Egg beauty contest now would be some sort of like, you know, influencer that's where the influencers are now. Yeah. <laughs> they're all <laughs> vegan beauty queens <laughs> maybe not vegan now they would be eating organic eggs but vegetarians well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently lila is just she keeps avoiding any attempt at jessica to push the conversation into serious waters and jessica's being very careful about it so she doesn't force her again and she mm. asks her about the party and she's shocked by what lila says yeah, Lila says that she's thinking about cancelling uh, the party. She kind of blurts it out. And Jessica is, of course, completely amazed by this because at this stage it is literally days away. Yeah. Um, and Jessica's like, you're what? Like, you can't change your mind now. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lila is just kind of like, you know, I'm just I'm so busy at the moment. I don't think I can handle a big party on top of everything else. But again, Jessica notices this kind of a frantic tone to yeah. Lila as she's saying this. And she's like, on top of what else? What's going on? And again, Lila's just like, oh, you know, just everything kind of won't look at Jessica. Um, and it's just like, I just have too much to do. Mm-hmm. And again, Jessica tries to reach out to her and, you know, she does literally put a hand on her shoulder, but not in an Elizabeth way, in no, a no, Jessica no. being sound way <laughs> and says, look, I'm your best friend if you've got some problem. But again, Lila just kind of shakes her off and says, look, I don't have a problem. I just have a lot going on right now. Mm. Uh, so like there's nothing more that Jessica can do here. So she just has to yeah, get out of the car when she's she's reached whatever destination Lila was mm. bringing her to. So that night, she's almost glad that Sa- that the new policy with her and Sam <laughs> means that they're not calling each other every night because she wouldn't have been able to concentrate on him. And she eventually tells Liz all and she finishes by saying Lila couldn't be more unlike herself if she'd found out she was adopted and that she was being sent back to her biological parents who are pig farmers <laughs> in Nebraska. <laughs> Liz Whitey points out that if this was true, she'd be angry. But this sounds more like depression. Mm. and uh, she says look Jessica you just got to make it clear that you're ready you're there when she wants to talk she also thinks Jessica's resolution with Sam is ridiculous and she's right it's true she, yeah, yeah that is fair <laughs> so the next day poor Lila she's even more of a state um, we're told she's never really experienced anything before that that didn't get resolved anything bad that didn't get resolved very quickly like any problem she's had has been smoothed over and mm. um, but uh, but not now. And we're told, and again, this all rings very true. She's she stopped wearing makeup. She's stopped, you know, caring about like looking attractive because we're told that's the last thing she wants to encourage some boy to give them get the wrong idea. And she knows her friends are all worried about her now, but she just can't talk to them. And just the secret is like between them, like a barbed wire fence. And. She can't bear the thought of a party, but cancelling it and telling everybody that she's cancelling it is even mm. more of a challenge. But she knows there's one thing she can cancel and she's determined to do it. Yeah. So this actually, yeah, back when they had their date initially in the box tree, she did ask him to to be her date for the party. Um, yeah. So she knows, yeah, that she obviously has to, to tell him not to come because she kind of says, look... <sighs> Surely there's no way that he would actually come. But after what happened, she has to, she kind of says, yeah, she knew that for her own sanity and peace of mind, she had to tell him not to come yeah. formally and officially. Uh, she said, because that would be the final humiliation. John Pfeiffer in her house, eating her food, sitting ah. on her furniture and smiling and talking like he was her friend and not her enemy. Um, 
so she just knew that until she she got a chance to just confront him he'd continue to just look at her yeah as though he'd gotten away with something is kind of how it's put so she kind of resolves that she's going to tell him that there's no way he is coming to her house under any circumstances and she's like maybe then she'll be able to just kind of draw a line under things and, and move on yeah so she's she's really determined mm. like she she's um she's got a plan and uh, at school, she offers Jessica lift home and asks her to just wait outside for her while she goes in to check something with the teacher, because she likes the she just likes the idea that she'll have somebody, you know, there for her. Yeah. Um, and uh, she, yeah, so she goes to the Oracle office because she knows that's where he's working on his internship assignment. So I guess his internship has already started somehow. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Or is there... Oh, yeah, his assignments. He's working. Yeah, I don't know. Um, So she knows he'll be on his own. And um, yeah, she doesn't want to lose her dignity in front of him. It was the only weapon she had against his contempt. And she finds him in the office. John is shocked to see her when she goes in. And she actually does a great job. Like her oh speech is brilliant. It's uh, to be honest, I actually got really emotional reading this because I was just like, she is so brave. Yeah, she really, like, really is. All the way through she, this scene is so good. Yeah, because she says it's about tomorrow night. I'm assuming you wouldn't be insensitive enough to think that you were still invited to my party. But then I also assumed that you were a decent human being and I wouldn't want to make the mistake of overestimating you again. And the more she talks, the easier it is. And she says, mm. so just so we're clear about it, John, let me make sure you understand that you are not welcome in my home. Not tomorrow, not ever. And he is just gross. He shrugs. He's like, sure, that's the way you want it. And she's like, yeah, that's the way I want it. And he draws whatever you say and smiles and says, you're the boss. Um, but Lila marches out head high. And as soon as Jessica mm. sees her, she knows this was not a meeting with the teacher or whatever Lila was claiming and she gets into the car and she's trembling so much that when Jessica gives her the car keys they fall on the floor oh. and it's oh Lila oh god and that's the thing like it would use up every ounce of fucking bravery yeah. and determination you'd have to confront him like that alone I'm just so impressed by Lila honestly with that oh. whole scene so then yeah obviously she's fucking shook when she gets out understandably and it all just kind of I guess hits her somewhat that yeah. she's just she's shaking she can't even hold on to the car keys and of course yeah. Jessica's like what is happening she says look Lila please tell me what's wrong I want to help you and like when Lila looks at her Jessica can see that she's never seen so much unhappiness in anyone's Aww. face before Oh my like my heart's broken for Lila here. Awful. And and she, yeah, no, she just she does burst into tears, like, and it's just yeah. oh, so oh sad. it is so sad. And Jessica has to drive her home and she just sits there with tears falling down her cheeks the whole way. Mm. And Jessica's tr- frantically trying to figure out like what the hell has happened. And she realizes that before the date with John, she was her usual yeah. self, and afterwards she was withdrawn and evasive. And so it has to be the date. Something bad happened on the date. Yeah. But Lila won't go any further so we cut to party night and Lila with a toy dagger in her belt is dressed as Peter Pan and the decor is super fancy it's purple and silver Jessica's trademark colours oh and yeah Jess- <laughs> and, and Jessica think, or sorry Lila thinks that if she can make it through this night then she'll be okay um, yeah. like John won't be there she'll have fun all her friends will be there she'll have proof that she was right to keep this a secret so the guests mm. arrive and she's in a good mood and uh, yeah, soon Jessica, well, you know, soon the party's in full swing. Jessica's relieved to see Lila more like her own self. The party is a success. The costumes are insanely elaborate. <laughs> Ridiculous. 
Christmas. Oh, my, oh my God. God. I mean, yes, like Jess and Sam are amazing going as Leia and Han Solo. Like, absolutely love that. But then, like, among their friends, apparently, Hugh has come as the body of a telephone and Enid as the receiver because of all the time they spend talking to each other. Like, how do you make a telephone body costume and a receiver? Like, is that just papier mache for like months on end to get to that stage how do you how I just I, I do <laughs> not know like is, is it 3d is it just cardboard like a sandwich board at the front and back honestly I need details like because I just can't figure this out like it just sounds either extremely elaborate or kind of shit and I'm just like what's <laughs> what's the level we're dealing with here <laughs> oh I mean the the trouble that these kids go to with parties I'm assuming it's huge yeah um, but uh yeah, they, uh, Todd and Liz have got us the sun and moon. I, okay. And again, we don't get any details as to whether this means they're just wearing like those kinds of colours. Are they literally in like a a, a roundy planet <laughs> costume? So they're having to dance at arm's length with each other, just like oh fingertips touching because they're both in big round costumes because that would be hilarious. Uh, but I... I feel like that's not what's happening here, although I really wish it was. <laughs> Just the two of them kind of like tumbling around like two big spheres, but I guess not. Oh my God. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I mean, we need more details. Mm-hmm. Um, we, the moments of levity are few and far between in this book, so we really mm. need as much uh, as as much detail as possible when they arrive. And even Jessica's having a great time because apparently just the role play, ooh, that'll spice things up, um, <laughs> of being Princess Leia and Han have sort of liberated them there you go yeah so she's having a great time (laughs) well Lila is feeling glad that she didn't cancel but then and she's manning the punch bowl I don't think Lila would man the punch bowl at her own party she'd have Mm -mm. have staff for this but anyway she sure would (laughs) it adds to the drama yeah a new couple enter the the room and it's a boy dressed as a pirate and a girl dressed as a fuzzy blue bunny who looks vaguely familiar. It's She thinks she's a sophomore who she definitely didn't invite to the party. Mm. And she's not sure who the pirate is. He's wearing a beard, a moustache and an eye patch. But there's something familiar about him. And then he asks her for punch. And she freezes when she hears his voice. Yeah, because it's fucking John Pfeiffer. Which, again, had had I not read it in the blurb, I would have been fucking floored by this. Because the absolute fucking cheek of this guy, like... Oh, it's disgusting. Yeah. Um, And yeah, it is super dramatic because it literally says the mysterious pirate was none other than John Pfeiffer. And she's thinking, was he insane coming here like this, taunting her with his presence after she had told him he wasn't welcome? Her home was the only place she had felt safe from him. And now that safety had been violated. And when he realises that she recognises him, his grin widens. Oh my God, he is truly the worst piece of shit that has ever been in this book. Oh, deserves every boo and a much, Mm. much worse. Mm -hmm. And she is almost shaking as she tells him, like, if you don't get out of here, I'll have you thrown out. And he's like, really? What a reason are you going to give? Oh, because you're Peter Pan and you think I'm Captain Hook. And then he squeezes the buddy who he's with, like, you know, holding her close. Mm. And finally, Lila gets angry. Yeah, she she watches him walk away and is just she's fuming and is just she's just like, isn't it enough that he'd scared her out of her mind, that he'd made her feel like dirt. And it's the first time all week that she actually has gotten angry because all along she'd been confused and ashamed and 
humiliated and hurt, obviously, but any anger that she had felt, apparently she'd kind of just turned on herself. Whereas now all her anger is very squarely turned on John. Yes. And she's just watching him from across the room, flirting with this girl. Um, hears him laughing and she just wants to march over and like hit him in the head with uh, with one of her father's priceless vases. And I guess John kind of looks over and sees this and he kind of preempts him potentially being thrown out by just yeah. kind of loudly telling his date, why oh. don't we get out of here? This party's boring. Let's go somewhere we can be alone. And of course, this just absolutely sets Lila off and her rage is just like released because she's just absolutely not having this. And it is magnificent. Um, because she uh, she screams, no, don't go with him. And uh, Jessica takes her arm, but Lila shakes her off mm. and she ignores, She's she is amazing in this and she's incredibly brave because she ignores John's face, smiling face, we're told, and she mm. looks straight into the girl's eyes and says, listen to me, her voice urgent with emotion. Don't leave with him. Don't let him take you home. And the girl is just like, what the fuck is going on? And Lila's like, you'll be sorry if you leave, if you leave with him. Take it from me. And the girl is very freaked out. But John says, oh, she's just jealous. That's all. Mm. And again, this is also a great moment. Lila felt rather than saw Sam and Todd come up on one side of her. So they are really showing oh, up. Like, I loved this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like they're just they see what's happening. They're on They're They're making sure that Lila has, you know, they're backing her up. Like, yeah. Yeah. Quite physically as well as uh, morally. Yeah. yeah. And suddenly she says, tell her, she screamed, pointing at John, tell her why she shouldn't go with you. Tell her how you tried to rape me last Saturday night. And someone's turned the music off and Sam is like moving closer to her, like in a protective way. And it is mm. very, it is very moving. Like this is, is a very upsetting scene. Yeah. Like Lila is, has tears streaming down her face. She's shaking. She screams, tell her, tell her what going someplace alone with you is like. And John's response is just chilling. He is frightening. Like he, oh. again, it's the fact that he's always so calm and just like smirking oh. at her anytime oh. she like even encounters him uh, after the date. And he's just, uh, yeah, he just says to her, I don't know what you're talking about, Lila. His voice full of bravado, <sighs> because of course it is. And he smiles again and says, we both know what happened last Saturday and it wasn't rape. In fact, it was anything but. And of course, everybody's watching this scene unfold and everyone's kind of whispering now as mm. this like kind of revelation after revelation is coming. Um, so <sighs> Lila, she kind of opens her mouth to tell everyone what a liar he is, but her voice wouldn't work. And again, that rings very true in that it had yeah. taken every ounce of her strength and ability yeah. to just say what she just did. And now he's still just smiling at her. Like, yeah. ugh, I just hate him it's so much. Terrible. And finally, and Sam, she, so she, she's just like there with her mouth open, basically. And sta Sam, good old Sam and Todd, I have to say, Sam steps in front of her and says, I think you be better get out of here, John. He said coldly, if you know what's good for you. And John says, you mean, if you know what's good for her. And Lila just runs away. And, that's it for the party. Um, and the next day, Jessica is very, very worried because, of course, she ran after Lila, but Lila mm. would not let her into the room and she's not yeah. taking her calls now. And so she's like, right, I'm going over to her house. And Liz, of course, is like, oh, I don't know if that's the best. Maybe you should use a little tact and discretion. And Jessica is not in the mood for Liz's homilies. <laughs> no, absolutely not. She's like, don't talk to me about tact and discretion. She snapped. Talk to your friend John Pfeiffer about them. And again, I just love Jessica in this book. She's like, she's been trying to get through to her friend. Now she knows what's happened and she's she knows that she needs her. So mm. she's going to be there for her. And she's uh, she storms out of the house. Yeah. Well, 
after Jessica leaves, Liz is, and this is understandably, mm. you know, this is pretty convincing because she's horrified by this, um, by this allegation. And he is her friend. Like he has been her friend since mm. the beginning of the series. Yeah. And she knows that like, okay, he's sometimes been a bit too intense. And she remembers when he was trying to get Jennifer Mitchell to break up with Rick Andover. He had been a bit, you know, he'd used strong arm tactics and then she remembers what she had heard about the breakup with Jennifer, which kind of fitted in with the same theme. Yeah, she yeah, because the whole thing with Jennifer or the story kind of went that that she reckoned John was really bossy and overbearing. And that's yeah. why they ended up splitting. Uh, but apparently Jessica had kind of relayed back to her. She says he doesn't know when to stop. Uh, and Liz had kind of laughed it off and said, oh, he's a little pig headed. It's part of his charm. And now she's kind of, I guess, rethinking all of this and anything yeah. that she would have heard about John and about the breakup. Yeah. And she remembers what she heard him say in the Oracle um, mm. just last the few weeks ago, I guess, um, because, you know, she had thought she must have misunderstood, but maybe she didn't. Yeah. And she just does not say, she does not think, sorry, that Lila was lying. Like she said, she just, Lila's face, and the anguish in her voice mm-hmm. uh, and the fact that she, has no reason to make any accus- you know, false yeah. accusations. Like there's just no way she's lying, but sh- she just can't imagine that John would have done anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so she te- Alice asks what's up, and she tells her, um, and Alice is also shocked and says, "When we hear stories about things like this, we always think the boy must be either a criminal or a monster, not a nice boy like John." And I would say fair fucks to Francine and Co for showing kids otherwise, because. Honestly, yeah, because it is such a pervasive thing that it's like it's a stranger. It's someone you don't know, like a random yeah. attacker. But when overwhelmingly, unfortunately, the, the, the case is it yeah. is someone that the person knows. Yeah. And it's not necessarily someone with uh, sketchy. Like mm. it can be this nice, clean, you know, the, yeah. the fact it goes against all the messages that kids are given where it's like, well, obviously you're not a nice boy like that. Yeah. would yeah. never do anything. Um, so, uh, yeah, she Liz is just she can't. Um, she just can't get her head around it at all. And Alice is like, oh, I'm I'm sure if what Lila says is true, John didn't ask Lila out thinking that that was how the evening would end. Well, I'm not sure that's a very helpful thing to say, Alice, because yeah, I'm sure, yeah. I don't think he planned that he was going to be, a, a, you know, would-be rapist, mm. but he clearly already had some very dodgy ideas about yes. consent and boundaries. Yes, very so. much so. Um, but Alice does worry that Lila's troubles are only starting because uh, there's going to be lots of people who think that even if something did happen it was her mm. fault yeah. and Elizabeth is shocked to hear this yeah and again it's it's kind of it's good from Alice and that she's like this could you know I suppose Liz is kind of like well that's the end of it now whereas Alice is like this could just be the beginning of things because you know there is the fallout to yeah. consider and that people might not automatically believe Lila or take her side yeah. on this yeah and when when Liz says like oh or you know but how could they how could they not believe how could it be Lila's fault she's like well and how could a nice boy like John do something like that so that's I mean Alice is in fairness to her I think playing devil's advocate there mm. uh just showing that as far as the populace of Sweet Valley High are concerned this could be you know one person it's not going to be as, as straightforward yeah as Liz yeah. seems to think it might be yeah well, at Fowler Crest, Jessica just strides past Eva. I love when she just barges into a house these days. I have to say, <laughs> she's not doing something righteous. And Lila 
finally reveals all and Jessica remembers Liz's article about sexual harassment and how girls blame themselves and reminds Lila, look, this is no different. You've been taking all the blame for this. And Lila accepts this is true. And uh, Jessica is is full of righteous anger and her blue-green eyes blaze with fury. And she says, you just wait till we get through telling everybody about John Pfeiffer. He won't be able to hold his head up at Sweet Valley High after this. I mean, spreading rumours, in this case it's true, is kind of their weapon. Oh, it's their forte. Like, this is where they absolutely excel. It's just they need to use those powers for good. Yes. Uh, but I do love Jessica's righteous anger here. And she's yeah. just so immediately like, I am going to ruin this guy's life just straight out yes. the gate. And this time it's actually deserved. Yeah, it's very satisfying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and also, it's sort of teach when she's on her way home, she can't stop thinking about poor Lila and mm. being worried about her. But she also thinks how lucky she is to have Sam because she knows that they have Talk, she she finally really realizes that they have talked about their boundaries and while well, Sam likes to hug and kiss her, lots of the calling these days, just as much as she likes to hug and kiss him, <laughs> hugging. Oh um, but she knows that like he'd never do anything to hurt her or cause her pain, just as she would never do anything mm. to hurt him, and she she realizes that um, Sam could be trusted he cared about her and that's what he was trying to tell her all along that they're safe with each other yeah and i guess in fairness they have talked about consent and boundaries so she's not wrong this is the thing yeah they obviously have had this conversation and it's obviously like an ongoing conversation between the two of them and it's 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 remarkably mature for jess and sam really or for yes. jess at least because we know sam is is a good egg like so that's all and, good I, and I am actually glad that they specifically specified that they've talked about it and they mm. haven't just gone for he's a nice boyfriend he'd never do anything because yeah just oh he understands it's like no no we've actually been explicitly talking about yeah. this and about where our limits are and it's just yeah. great that yeah that, that is so blatantly obvious that this is something they've discussed and are very clear yeah. about and that's great yeah because i mean we've just been doing a madman rewatch in my household and we watched the season two episode where um joan is raped by her mm. husband which is incredibly well done he's her fiance at the time because it's it shows how some nice a nice guy mm. can convince themselves that what they're doing is actually completely fine and somebody just going along with it because they don't know how to not do it. Yeah. And that's such, especially in the past, was such a common attitude and probably still today that I actually am really, it, I was actually thinking about that when I read this because the fact that they don't just go for, as we said, like, Sam loves her, so it'll be fine. It is yeah. like, but they've talked about their limits. Yeah. And saying no and respecting mm-hmm. no. And um and it's actually very progressive for the time. It, look, who would have thought we'd see something progressive in a Sweet Valley book? But here we are, they're full of surprises sometimes. It is uh I mean, we, we love to be pleasantly surprised by them, and especially in a grim <laughs> book, it's good that there are sort of moments of uh of uh optimism, I suppose. There you go. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's all back on. They can trust each other, kiss and makeup, Sam volunteers to boot John into the sea. Oh, love Sam for this. Oh my God. Yeah, he's brilliant. <laughs> he literally does want to boot him into the sea. Listeners. Oh yeah. I know we like using that uh, that phrase. <laughs> yes. He genuinely wants him in the sea and we are fully behind Sam on this. <laughs> well, Liz and Todd are in the Dairy Burger. And Todd is praising their night and day costumes. And Liz says, sometimes it seems like the two sexes are like night and day. And... um. Liz, uh, Todd is like, oh, I don't know about that, but you know, like, boys and girls do, um, 
we do have something we, we you know they aren't night like night and day but there can mm. be a difference between the way guys think and the way girls think and she's uh, she's like oh you mean Arthur my beloved friend Arthur Castillo who I've never <laughs> mentioned in the last 90 books <laughs> um, but uh, yeah he's like no 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 I don't mean that Arthur is like that but you can't think take things for granted like basically you don't know what he actually is expecting from this visit but Elizabeth says that she never thought that John was like that and you know she's never seen this side of him and um it's just really shocking and Todd shrugs and says people are full of surprises you know and I'm so glad that Todd doesn't make any excuses for John or defend him yeah. Todd is like the voice of righteousness in this I know and honestly this ghostwriter is making us like Todd in these last few books it's very unnerving yes. <laughs> he's organising cool dates he's got a he's into book. rainforests we're like what's he wants, happening he wants to dress up as a pantomime horse which I wouldn't want to do with my boyfriend but it is funny you know, it's very funny like the comedy value is there <laughs> So that night, Jessica offers uh, Riggs to Lila and offers her a lift to school the next day. But Lila feels strong enough to go alone, and uh, she just feels really relieved. She just feels like she's let the like pulled over the curtains, let the light in, and John mm. Pfeiffer won't be able to hold up his head. So she's feeling optimistic. And on that optimistic note, we will take a very quick break to tell you about a another podcast on the Headstuff Podcast Network. And it's one close to our hearts. Oh, we love this show. So yeah, like if you're in any ways interested in RuPaul's Drag Race, you have got to get on the Sissy That Pod train because... Keen and James are like two of our favourite people. We love them. We've had them on the show before. We chatted about Amy's true love with them. Mm. Um, we've been on their and, show. And we've been on their show, yeah, because we are also big fans of Drag Race. <laughs> so yeah, they do they do recaps for every fucking series. And there are oh. so many now. So they'll recap UK, US and All Stars. And then they do all the kind of spin-off ones for their bonus episodes. So there's like Drag Race Espana. Oh. There's the Australian Drag Race. Like there is so much stuff. Oh. I don't know how they do it, to be honest, because there is one series after another <laughs> lately. I know. Uh, but they are covering all of them one way or another. It is such a good show. They're absolutely hilarious. They get great guests on to have the chats, including us. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we are huge, huge fans of Sissy That Pod. So absolutely go check them out. They're tremendous fun and they're really insightful and you can have a little listen to their trailer here. My name is Keen and I'm James and we host Sissy That Pod. Sissy That Pod is a fun, informative and comprehensive companion podcast into the world of the queer and colourful cultural behemoth that is RuPaul's Drag Race. Join us every week as we cover the current season of the show, All Star 7, through the eyes of two queer Irish fans. Or scour through our back catalogue wherever you get your podcasts or on headstuffpodcast.com to check out the other seasons we've covered. But for now, start your engine. It's time to crown an ultimate queen. And now, back to Sweet Valley. And, uh, and I have to say that I am waiting for the end of All Stars. I'm trying to not be spoiled because we can only get it if you sign up to the World of Wonder oh, page thing. So annoying, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to wait until it's all aired and try and keep unspoiled and mm. uh, and then watch it all. Mm, it's a tall like... order in this Instagram and Twitter oh, age. No, <laughs> but no. yeah, same. I haven't watched any of it yet. I'm kind of hoping to save it until it's all done. To, Are uh, you spoiled? To 
get stuck in. No, haven't haven't seen anything so far. So I've been doing okay, I think. I know. One of my all set time favourite queens, one of the ones queens that I paid to go and see, Jinx Monsoon is in it. And I just I, I love Jinx, so I am keeping my fingers crossed for her. Don't tell us <laughs> listeners if she's booted <laughs> Yeah, an iconic an iconic snatch game from Jinx. She's so uh, good. I know she went as Natasha Leon in the snatch game this <gasps> year, which oh. made me so happy. So Oh my god. Okay. Oh Jesus. Inspired. Yeah, two, won't wait to watch it all. <laughs> two ginger goddesses. Fantastic. My goodness. That's genius. Well, speaking of uh, bright colours, uh, Jessica's dressed to the nines uh, when she sails into the kitchen. Won't give any more details. We can save that for the end with the very meagre fittings. And um, <laughs> she's glad that everything's coming up Lila, as she thinks. And Liz thinks she's this is premature. Um, but uh, Jessica's like, oh, come on. Everybody's got to turn on John. But mm. that purses her lips. When I would say, fuck off, Aunt Shirley. <laughs> I just think this is very Aunt Shirley energy. Pursing her lips. This isn't like Alice. No, that's true. She's she's too young to be pursing her lips. <laughs> that's old bag energy. Um, yeah, so she kind of just points out that she wouldn't be so sure that like everything's going to be sorted now for Lila. She says, look, some people are going to believe John. And Liz agrees. But of course, Liz kind of had to have this pointed out to her too by Alice. Mm. Um, and they just kind of say, look, I mean, you know, we know Lila's telling the truth, but oh yeah, but Liz is kind of saying she still has a hard time believing that her friend John did something like this. Um, and there's no way of proving what really did go on. And Jessica kind of flips out when she hears this. Yeah. Like, I don't believe I'm hearing this. You're always telling me that honesty is the best policy. The ones who say the truth will win in the end. And she's really annoyed, I think, by this. And um, Alice is saying, you know, we are still saying that. We're just saying it might take a little longer for it to win than you think. Because I guess Jessica's kind of like, this is cut and dried everyone's going to turn on John and it's all going to be good now from Lila from here on out. But I guess they are being realistic in, in terms of trying to adjust her expectations for how things might go down in school. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah, they are. They are sort of being realistic, I mm. guess. So at Fowler Crest, Lila's dressed to the night. She's looking good. And she heads all full of optimism as she heads out. But by the time she's at school, she wishes she'd gone in with Jessica because if people are staring at her and it's clear that everybody's heard what happened and it's hmm. also clear that not everyone believes what her, what she said and then she sees him and it is so awful oh yeah it's horrible because i guess after you know her chat with jessica i suppose they both thought that john wouldn't be able to hold his head up after saturday yeah. night but he has no trouble holding up his head, apparently. Ugh. No trouble smiling, no trouble laughing, Ugh. and Ugh. no trouble acting as though nothing had happened. As though Ugh. he were one of the nicest guys Sweet Valley High had ever seen. And as she kind of, or as he sees her, his expression changes apparently from good-humoured and boyish to coldly arrogant. And kind of, again, smirks at her like, I just oh. want to absolutely dig the head off him. Um, so Lila has to kind of force herself to look at him too. And she's just like, he's not sorry. He's not ashamed. He looks like a boy who yeah. knows he's completely in the right. And I guess she's just kind of freaked by this because I guess as, as she thought things might pan out, she reckoned he'd be the one who was going to be ashamed and having to like run away from people. But uh, he, he, of course, is nothing of the sort and kind of mumbled something as she walks by. So the other boys begin to laugh. And again, poor Lila just ends up being embarrassed and kind of humiliated oh, by this it's encounter. awful. It's yeah. horrible. Yeah. Well, at, after Jim, Jessica is still in a state of rage because she saw John that morning and she expected him to be guilty, uh, you know, or act in a guilty way. But he was all smiles. And it's like, oh, have you seen Liz? Tell her I'll meet her later in the office. Uh, I have an idea for the next issue of the Oracle. 
And um, so he is absolutely shameless. Oh, completely and, just brazening it out. Yeah, just absolutely acting like nothing has happened. And honestly, the cheek of him to say, knowing that Jessica is Lila's best friend, that he's just so kind of chill and casual with Jessica as if mm. as if she'll just be like, oh, hey, John, like there's no big deal going on here. Just, yeah, yeah it's awful. Well, then she hears some girls. So she's in the locker room at this stage, mm. getting uh, changed after Jim. And she hears some girls in the next, I guess, aisle of lockers. Mm. Um Locker rooms in American things always seem absolutely huge. The, like, the changing room in my school gym was like a room with two rows of benches, like one row of bench on each side of the room and then showers down the end. That was it. There were all these like aisles full of lockers. <laughs> it's like a warehouse full of lockers. Yeah. <laughs> well, she hears these girls talking about the party um, and they're like, can you believe it? I mean, I don't know John personally, but he seems like such a, such a nice guy. And we, another girl says, we've only heard her side of the story. You've got to consider the source, you know, the sort of reputation she has. And Jessica is pure rage. And uh, without a mo- instant hes- hesitation, she was on her feet and around the side of the lockers, still holding one of her <laughs> shoes in her hand. Fuck yes, Jessica. She didn't oh. even like, didn't even take one shoe off or put one no. shoe on. She just walked straight round. She's amazing. Just absolutely ate them, Jessica. So she's just like, <laughs> what are you trying to say? She demanded. Are you suggesting Lila's lying? And the two girls are kind of stunned. Uh, and one of them says, look, you know, I know Lila's your best friend and everything, but you have to face the facts. Lila's a flirt. Everybody knows that. She does everything she can to attract boys. So what does she expect? And Jessica's absolutely spitting. She's just like, she expects a little more understanding from other girls. That's what she expects. Not yes. that it looks like she's going to get it. And she storms off. And I'm just like, oh, give Jessica a sword. Yes. <laughs> Bravo. So Liz has lunch that afternoon with Todd, Edith, Terry. And <laughs> God love him, Ken Matthews. <laughs> um, depressingly, by the way, we're told Terry and Enid are debating how many calories there are Ugh. in the fucking rice salad. Oh, girl. Well, Liz notices Lila and Jessica enter the cafeteria and everyone's staring at her. And Liz is like, oh, Jesus, I didn't, this is even worse than I thought it would be. And, um, you know, I've heard loads of girls saying, even if it was true, Lila was probably asking for it. And Ugh. Terry says, I know as well as anyone that Lila isn't exactly little Miss Innocence, but you think people would realise a girl wouldn't make an accusation like that just for the fun of it. And they ask the boys what, uh, what the other lads are saying. And Ken is like, well, you know, I'm not agreeing with them, but yeah, they're kind of saying that, you know, that Lila knew what she was doing and actually trying to make herself feel better by putting the blame on John and how John's telling every Todd says John's telling everyone it was Lila's idea to go to Miller's point in the first place and all the girls are like uh, hello and says so what if it was uh, and says it seems to me Todd there's been times I've suggested we go somewhere we can be alone and then Ken says oh can you share what Ken says oh I guess I have to <laughs> <laughs> yeah he goes but not on the first date uh, and he says, you've got to admit it, girls, you can't really blame John for getting the wrong idea. And like everyone's furious with him. Terry yeah. scowls and she's like, Ken Matthews, I don't believe what I'm hearing. Are you saying that John had a right to attack Lila because it was her idea to go for a drive? Confused. Ken looked to Todd for help. <laughs> like, Todd- having a baby girl way out of this one, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> well, Todd rolls his eyes. I like to think he's rolling his eyes as Ken's. Again, surely. Yeah. <laughs> 
against Stubbers. Well, well, no, that's not what I'm saying. It's what the other guys are saying. And Todd reminds Liz about how successful Chris was at spreading rumors about her saintly self. And Liz is rightly enraged. It's like, so now you're saying Lila deserved what happened because she's popular and attractive and she doesn't dress in potato sacks. And in fairness to Todd, he's just like, oh, fuck, okay. We're uh, digging a hole for ourselves here. And, um, yeah, they basically, Todd does say, it sort of goes back and forth for a while about mm. how Todd points out, well, look, you said you found it hard to believe that John would do something like this. And Liz is like, well, yeah, but there, that's just because he's my friend. But I know what I saw in Lila's face. And Todd says, well, look, you can't blame others for being confused if you were confused. Mm. Um, and he says, I saw Lila's face on Saturday night too. And I'm sure she was telling the truth. But you can't deny that the only thing against John is Lila's word. And they agree that this is factually the case yes also ken ken is on hiatus now as my sweet valley boyfriend he's gone to the bold corner and sam is now my sweet valley boyfriend in the meantime fair <laughs> enough, decide fair otherwise i mean <laughs> or, he, is... or he dies <laughs> oh, oh well yeah ken you'll have ken to yourself soon enough indeed <laughs> sam won't be bothering your uh your conscience for much longer <laughs> Enjoy it while you can, Karen. I, I will. <laughs> Though actually, I was going to say you love Ken to yourself. Uh, you won't because he still has Terry. Sorry, I forgot that he is actually already oh, taken. For now. <laughs> <laughs> what, you're back, Terry Adams. <laughs> well, you remember who Ken's next big love is? He likes a woman with design skills. Well, there you go. <laughs> And she is a stat. Terry is a statistician like yourself, so you're in with a chance. I'll tell you, <laughs> biding your time. <laughs> well, meanwhile, Lila's feeling self-conscious, and again, Jessica's a great friend because Lila's like everyone's staring at me, and Lila's or Jessica says they're staring at you with admiration because you had the courage to stand up and tell the truth. And Lila actually sounds a bit like herself because she says, "Oh, please." Um, <laughs> You know, don't try to protect me. She knows that lots of people believe John. Mm. But in fairness, when they join Amy and Caroline, they're really on her side and they're going to spread, you know, they're going to tell everybody that uh, Lila's telling the truth. And I love that Jessica winks and says, when you've got Caroline on your team, you have one of the most efficient communication systems in the world. (laughs) (laughs) But it's actually a really sweet scene because Lila admits that she fears it was her fault and they're all like, no, it absolutely wasn't. And mm. all of them are. And Amy's like, look, you should phone Project Youth. They'll, have ex- they'll put you in touch with experts. Like, you're yeah. not alone, basically. And it is genuinely quite charming. It, it, like, it's unusual for a table with Amy Sutton on it to be charming, but they, they pull it off and they are <laughs> very supportive of Lila. They're straight in there, like, telling her it wasn't her fault yeah. and, and reassuring her. And it is yeah. it is great to see from them. So the next day, everybody's still gawping at Lila. And Jessica's like, I think you should take this to the authorities, write a letter to the Oracle, you know, get the word out. And Mm. Lila's like, look, I'd rather transfer to a private school where no one knows anything about me. And Jessica's horrified about uh, this, uh, you know, the prospect of losing Lila. But Mm. Lila's joking, but she's not joking because she just can't imagine like her life going forward, not just the fact people think she's lying, but she keeps wondering, like, how could she ever go on a date in Sweet Valley? Like, who, what boy there could she trust? So she sort of, you know, deadpan, she'll dye her hair red and move to Alaska. Uh, but Jessica, you know, isn't, um, it basically, even though Lila may be cracking deadpan, you know, black, yeah. using some black humor, like she is still in deep distress. So Jessica decides she's, 
she's got to do something. She thinks that Lila might drive her crazy, but she keeps her on her toes, which I like. <laughs> I know, like she, like there is genuine affection there between them, which is lovely, it even is. though they are like canonically frenemies. Yeah. But like when she's when she's on side, she's great. Like oh, that is she just is. the thing with Jess. Yeah. And she thinks she might have found a solution, though it doesn't really go according to plan. Yeah, she reckons that. Uh, she needs to talk to Jennifer Mitchell, who, of course, is John's yes. ex. And she kind of realizes up until now, Jennifer had actually just kept out of the controversy altogether. But Jessica kind of spots her in the hallway and wonders if it isn't about time Jennifer got involved. Mm. So she kind of follows her into whatever room or something she's gone into. And um, yeah, she she goes up to her and just says, you know, have you got a minute? She's like, look, I want to talk to you about John. Um so she's kind of wondering, I suppose, if there's like some established pattern here with John and if, if Jennifer kind of has anything that, that could help Lila out here or anything that could back her up, back up her story, basically. But um, yeah, Jennifer just kind of shrugs and she's like, you know, I wish I could help you. But, and, you know, and I can't believe that Lila would make this up, but um, she just doesn't have anything to say. She's like, look, we broke up because he always has to be in control. Everything has to be done his way or not, but it's got nothing to do with this other thing. And she's like, look, as far as I'm concerned, I have no personal reason to believe that John might be capable of this. So unfortunately, Jennifer is not going to be any help in this regard. Though in fairness to her, like, she does say, you know, for what it's worth, Hmm. she, um, she tell to she does she does believe Lila so she's not she saying, does, I don't yeah. believe he'd ever do this and I no, no, think no. Lila's making it up she just says which is true he never did anything like that with me so I'm sorry I can't yeah like you know I I just don't this isn't I can't back this up one way or the other exactly and, yeah she just doesn't have anything to add to yeah. it like it's just she she can't help yeah so it could be a lot worse it could have been hmm. like no way oh, yeah. brilliant that's the thing. Yeah, oh, he's never been like that with me. And you know, it's like, yeah. oh, that doesn't mean that he's never like that. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Like, it could have gone that way too. But yeah, in fairness, it doesn't. She's kind of yeah. neutral. Uh, and she does tell Jessica to tell Lila she admires her brain. Mm. So here is one of the most, I think, best done scenes in the whole mm. book. Yeah. So Lila is thinking that, you know, this was what her blurting all that out uh, at the party was more insanity than bravery because she's come into the cafeteria kind of late and her, she can see her friends on the other side of the room she's got to queue up at the counter and she could hear a boy laughing behind her and she's sure he's laughing at her because like that's she's you know the topic of everybody's conversation hmm. at the moment and then she hears a husky male voice say you better watch yourself she's really hot and she swings around like her face burning and it's just the guy who works in the in the uh, at the counter mm. um, putting the new kitchen worker put another tray of potatoes in his place and he looks over and smiles at her kindly and says oh. you okay it's just she's you know everything is sounding aggressive and horrible yeah. to her now oh. and then John appears Oof. yeah um, and this is it so it's at this point she's actually walking to where her friends are sitting and yeah. it just feels like the room is 10 times its usual size because it just feels like everyone's staring at her all the time but of course she's about halfway across and suddenly John is there standing in her path yeah. and she didn't actually see him get up um, yeah. and, and and go to where he is now but um, yeah he's just standing there looking at her and she's kind oh. of forced herself to keep going and then she realises everyone actually is looking at her now she can oh. hear like she can hear like the laughter and kind of clanging and cutlery, but more than that, there is a silence spreading and it starts oh. to feel like a Western where like she's just, oh God, she's like, um, Billy the Kid was waiting for her at the other end, only she didn't have a gun. And it's just that kind of powerlessness that's just really getting on top of her and how she just 
doesn't know what to do. All she can do is keep moving forward. And then she sees this fucking slow smile appearing on John's face as she draws closer. And she's like, he's going to fucking say something. Um, And it's just it's just the dread of it is just so well. It's so Um, well done. It really is. She can see him about to say something and she's about to just turn and run out of there altogether. And then amazingly, I loved him. Like I think this is my favorite moment in the entire book. Thing, I yeah. loved this. It's yeah. So she's about to turn and run, but all at once she wasn't alone. Out of nowhere, Elizabeth appeared on one side of her and Enid on the other. Can't believe it, Elizabeth was saying, as though they've been chatting together all along. We never even thanked you for your party the other night. And she kind of starts babbling away about Todd eating loads of sandwiches and just chatting about the party. And Enid kind of chimes in and they basically walk her past John as if they were mid-conversation. So she doesn't have to look at him. He doesn't exist. It's totally fine. So they just keep talking her past him. And then Liz quite loudly says, there's only one thing wrong with your party, as far as I could tell, said Elizabeth in a clear, loud voice. And that was the gate crasher. Yeah, agreed in it. He really brought down the tone of the evening. And honestly, fair play. Oh, Oh, I loved loved this this. from Liz and Enid. And it's funny because I think it was only a book ago we were laughing because Enid was going on about, oh, Liz to the rescue. But like genuinely Liz to the rescue here because this was fucking baller and I loved it. I adored this. And Mm. also, fair fucks to Enid because Enid does not like Lila. Mm -mm. And Lila has been kind of a bitch to Enid in the past. And Enid still did that. She did, yeah. There was just bigger things at stake here, and I love that they did this for her. It was just, it's genuinely touching. And there's a great line amid this when they're sort of whisking her away, talking about sandwiches and guacamole. Says Lila couldn't think of anything to say in reply, but then she didn't have to, and she felt the girl's arms brush against hers as they strode past John Pfeiffer, as though he weren't even there. And it's just this lovely moment. It actually makes you feel quite emotional, which is very rare and sweet. Look what they did to us. Oh, my God. Oh, but it was just such a... moved. Honestly, it was such a genuinely lovely moment. Yeah, Yeah. it really was. So that night, Jessica and Sam studied together without too much canoodling. And Sam is (laughs) horrified to hear that Lila is still being kind of, you know, not quite ostracised, but she's sort of a... She certainly is being supported. Mm. And um, Jessica says, and this is also a really good point, it's made me realise if this had happened to me instead of Lila, people would have treated me exactly the same. Mm. And Sam sort of jokes, it's like, oh, not in front of me, they wouldn't, they wouldn't dare. Um, they keep flirting. Alice comes in and is happy to see her daughter back to her horn dog way. <laughs> I, know, I love that Alice is so invested in Jess being horny. It's a little bit weird, <laughs> but it's just like, I'm so glad you two can barely keep your hands off each other again. <laughs> She's not trying to repress her sexuality. Look, that's true. I guess that will be worse. But it's also just a little bit weird. It's not she's so into it. It's like, there's there's a happy medium here, surely. I mean, any Irish parent would just be, if they expressed a single sentence on it, she'd be like, shut up, shut up. I can't hear you. Not that they ever would. Christ. Well, meanwhile, uh, Lila is in Fowler Crest and she's trying and failing to distract herself with some telly when a stranger calls to the house. Her name is Susan Wyler. Yeah, apparently Susan is a sophomore um, and she's like, Lila kind of just recognises her as this like really pretty, trendy girl that boys like literally stop and stare at. Mm. She's that good looking. And 
again, Lila kind of initially is like, oh, God, has this girl come all the way to my house to call me a liar? Yeah. Um, because she just she doesn't know who she is. And this girl just says, look, I'm sorry to bother you. But, you know, uh, you'd have to be in Tucson not to know what happened at your party. So Lila, the blood drains from her face and she kind of starts to like just freak out a little bit. But then Susan sees this reaction and is like, look, I'm really sorry to turn up like this, but I have to talk to you. I have something to tell you and I know you're going to want to hear it. Um, so obviously Lila invites her in and Susan tells her her story, which mm. is that uh, Susan and John had gone out uh, after John had broken up with Jennifer, but before he asked Lila out. So she reveals that they'd gone out to the beach for this moonlight stroll uh, and she had to fight him off. The only thing that saved her was the sudden arrival of another couple. And Susan was so frightened by the whole thing that she actually got a ride back to Sweet Valley with this random couple that also turned up at the time. Yeah. And Lila is, um, is is just shocked because she didn't even know John date, went to date with anyone after mm. Jennifer. And Susan says, well, that's because, you know, she hasn't she didn't tell anybody and also says you couldn't really call it dating. It was more like an invasion. And she also blamed herself and she just she's seen how people have treated her since she confronted John and she wanted to say something. And she also feels guilty and says, look, maybe if I'd spoken up, you would have been spared what happened to you. But Lila doesn't blame her. Um, and she says, well, you know, I I almost didn't say anything. It wasn't a mm. conscious thing. I just sort of blurted it out because I was so shocked. Um, so she can't take any responsibility for it. So she's, it's actually really nice that she doesn't judge Susan for mm. being too scared oh. to say something. Definitely. Yeah, I guess, you know, if anyone's going to understand, it is Lila because she's literally in the same position as Susan. And Lila kind of, yeah, just actually (laughs) smiles properly for the first time in days. And I guess it's kind of relieved to know that like this wasn't all in her head. She's not making things up and exaggerating because this Mm. exact same thing has happened to somebody else and she's not alone in this. Well, Susan has a plan she says, if I confront John alone, he'll only deny it and ignore me, you know, which is what he's been doing. But if, mm. but then says, but if we go together, if John can see we're united and strong, he'll have to realise he's been beaten. And then he says, like, look, uh, if we can get him to go for help, then we'll have won. I think that's what our goal has to be. And I guess it's good they're going for a sort of a rehabilitatory <laughs> model, though I do want to see John boost him oh I was like are you going to drown him because I really want you to like invite him over to your pool and drown the fucker but <laughs> I guess they need to be more mature about it <laughs> well Lila says I was hoping our goal was going to be to hang him from the flagpole that's really funny high but yeah. I guess getting him into counselling will have to do I mean you could report him to actual you know authorities but do you know it is wild to me that no adults have gotten involved in this storyline yes because like, he's, not... he's committed an actual crime crime like there's no teachers involved alice seems to be the only adult who knows about it oh, like, just fuck all I, like, I know george fowler is often away on business but i feel like he'd probably drop everything and come home for this yeah. uh it is kind of mad it's left to the kids to sort this yes. out or deal with this like yes. there's just there's no no responsible adults in the room at all it's almost a tv show <laughs> look <laughs> it was foreshadowing for the tv show maybe <laughs> Get you to a total lack of authority figures. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because Alice is just her own role is this is encouraging her daughter to like start you know um getting it all on the kitchen table as far as <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> True. But yeah, so there there you go. Yeah, Susan reckons they need to get him into counselling. And yeah, again, I was just like, it is not your job to get this person into counselling. Like, but <sighs> this is this is what the plan is. 
Well, the next day, Lila's all excited and nervous. So the plan is that she's going to leave a note in John's locker asking him to meet her, just Lila, at the Dairy Burger that evening. Mm. Uh, Say, I can't go on like this. We need to talk. And they're sure that John will think that Lila wants to strike a deal so people Mm. stop treating her so badly and possibly, I don't know, give him some favours. So Lila's heading into school early to put it into his locker. And... uh, Meanwhile, uh, we're told that Jessica and Liz are going into school early because Liz has to go in for some um, oracle thing, I guess. And Liz is like, well, if you're so unhappy about going in early, you could have gone lift with mom. Jessica says, you know, I don't like to ride with mom if I can help it. She always lectures me about safe driving and rightly so, given what we've seen in the past. <laughs> to God, driving around with people on your lap. It's absolute nonsense what you go on in that being spider. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when they arrive, John is in the car park and he waves at Liz and she nods. And Jessica's like, what the fuck are you doing? And Liz says, in this country, a man is innocent until proven guilty. I tried to keep my distance from John, but I can't put him dead completely. Why not? Why not? How is his guilt going to be proven? Because there's no question he's going to go to trial for any of this. I know, this is the thing. And I did kind of wonder... Like Liz and John obviously both both work for the Oracle. Has she just been avoiding him in the office this whole time? Have they been interacting? Like just the way she was like, oh, I can't cut him dead. It's like, you absolutely can cut him dead. But anyway, that's besides the point. And you should, yeah. But look, yeah, it did seem like there was a lot of stuff probably left out or like potential scenes Mm. between Liz and John. But look, it's not about her. So for once, it's not about Liz. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) Well, Jessica finds Lila at John's locker. And when Jessica or John, no, when Jessica... When Lila sees Jessica, <laughs> oh my God, so many names beginning with J. She's like, oh, shut up, come around here, because she doesn't want to risk John um, hmm. spying, you know, or anybody who knows him um, spying her anywhere near his locker. So yeah. she has to tell Jessica what's happened, but she tells her to keep it a secret. Jessica's delighted and says, just tell me what time you want your supporters to turn up at the Dairy Burger that night. <laughs> or she tells Liz and Sam, uh, which I guess Lila should have known, because Jessica can't I know. Yeah, but like it is very sweet because they're all just like we're like the moral support team basically that are turning up just to back her up even in silence from a booth over like we're still just going to be there for her which is kind of nice. Yeah. (laughs) So the Dairy Burger is buzzing that evening when Susan and Lila turn up and Lila is pleased to see Jessica in a booth with um, Sam and Liz and Todd Mm. and a volleyball match is just ending so there's a big crowd in the uh, in the DB and John (laughs) arrives there with some of the team. And when Lila strides over to him, we get, I mean, I know this is sort of almost a fantasy wish fulfillment thing, but it is extremely satisfying, all of it, this scene. It is it is very satisfying. And again, obviously these things don't get wrapped up in a little bow, but, yeah. you know, it's Sweet Valley. So yeah, <laughs> enjoy it for what it is. Look, let's just get the, the satisfaction from it. So yeah, she walks over, she's kind of gassing herself up. She's like, don't let these little boys intimidate you. You vacation in Europe. They spend all their time running around the gym, tossing a ball. Oh. So she walks up to him um, and says that uh, she's like, John, I asked you to meet me here because I want to talk to you. And of course, this this whole team are sitting with him and he's yeah. like all breezy and arrogant as usual. And it's funny because he keeps being so breezy and like being arrogant and like obnoxious and yet people are like oh but John's so nice oh he's yeah. so serious and it's like has nobody noticed he's acting like an absolute prick mm. out of nowhere because apparently yes. this is all out of character for yes. him so that doesn't really add up no it doesn't but um, but um yeah <laughs> 
Well, Lila, this is great. She can feel her confidence rising in mm. direct proportion to John's arrogance. And she's like, I want to talk to you quietly. I don't want, think you'll want the whole team to hear what I have to say. And John is like, I have no secrets for my friends. And then he winks at her and says, unlike some people, Lila's like, oh, yes. Because <laughs> she thinks John probably thought she wanted to like throw herself in her mercy and like give him an apology for telling stories about him. So her smile becomes a little brighter and she thinks, well, you're wrong. You're very, very wrong. And she says, uh, I just wanted to tell you that I discovered something last night that I think you should know about. And John makes a mock worried face at the table. He's like, oh, what? That you've changed your mind again? And everybody's like, ha, 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 ha. Mm. And she says, no, that I have something in common with Susan Wyler. And she sees a flicker of worry cross John's <laughs> eyes and says, do you remember Susan Wyler? in her sweetest voice. Susan Wilder is the other girl who had the misfortune of going out with you recently. And John laughs to cover his nervousness. And he's like, I don't know what she's talking about. And then Susan appears. Oh, brilliant. She's like, yes, you do, John. You know exactly what we're talking about. And like up to now, he's really kind of performing for the table and all like, you know, arrogant mm. as as he's been like in front of Lila all this time. But uh, she can see now that Susan's made an appearance and is kind of backing Lila up that uh, the other guys at the table are suddenly kind of confused yeah. and uncomfortable. And then there's a guy beside John, a guy called Dean apparently is like, okay, hang on, what's going on here, Pfeiffer? He demanded, Susan's my kid's sister's best friend. She's practically part of my family. So he's suddenly kind of like, wait, wait a second now, what's all this about Susan? Because clearly she's yeah. like, like his own little sister. Yeah. John is like, oh, nothing's going on, but he can't keep the nervousness out of his voice. He's like, the two of them think they're funny, that's all. And Susan's like, yeah, John, we think you're real funny too. First you try to attack me, then you try to attack Lila. And she moves closer to the table. She's like, can't you see you have a problem, John? Can't you see that you should be trying to get help, not trying to act like nothing happened? And like, this is so good from the pair of them. Oh. They're just... Uh, they, they handle it so well because like an uneasy murmur goes around mm. the, the table and line is like susan and i are very worried about you john we think you should get some professional help and she turns to a boy sitting across from john who's beginning to edge his chair away <laughs> and says don't you think that somebody who can't go on a date with a girl without trying to attack her should seek professional help and dean stands up and is like yeah yeah, I do think she should. And John's like, oh, come on, Dean. Uh, don't be silly and laugh. You know, you don't believe. And Dean says, Susan Wyler doesn't lie. And neither does Lila Fowler, from what I can see. And she says, which leaves you, doesn't it, John? And he leaves the restaurant. And John's hmm. like looking around to the other guys. And they're all starting to go. And it's one of those moments where he's like, you don't believe them, do you? Do you? And... Uh, <laughs> They're like, you know, why would we make it up? Uh, we didn't even know each other before uh, last night. And um, Susan says, yeah, that she went to Lila because she heard what happened to her and she, you know, wishes she'd spoken up before. And the last few players, and you know, leave. Mm. And there's a great bit where he goes, hey, where are you guys going? We have to stick together. We can't let a couple girls push us around. A tall blonde senior <laughs> put his hands on the back of John's chair as he walked past. Maybe you better start pushing them around, little man. He said <laughs> quietly. And I love him. Me too. Who is this tall blonde senior? Because he's great. 
<laughs> and then Lila realizes that she's not alone either because Jessica and Elizabeth Todd and Sam are right behind her. And Jessica says loudly, everybody's getting away as far away from John as they can. It's time we all got out of here. And they all stride out, leaving John on his own. Hurrah! Oh, so good. It's very satisfying. Like, fair play to them. They played it brilliantly, like, because it's yes. that whole thing where if they'd gone up and been all kind of raging at him, he would have just been like, oh, look at these hysterical Crazy women, whatever. Yeah. But they played it perfectly. They were like, no, John, we're worried about you, you oh. piece of shit. Um, I and love it. Yeah, finally, everybody has fucking turned on John and not a minute too soon, honestly. It is an absolute delight. Mm. So on Friday, Jessica and Lila are at the mall. They're in a good mood. They're getting outfits for Prince Arthur's visit. <laughs> and um, it's... Uh, it's Jessica is, or sorry, Lila is sort of enjoying almost being, you know, people depend on me now. She's become a role model at school. <laughs> and uh, Jessica hides her smile behind a sea grey silk shirt. I mean, is there anything else? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Apparently the girl who was dressed as a bunny at the costume party uh, thanked her for what she did. And, uh, you know, she feels said she felt that every girl in Sweet Valley owed her a debt of gratitude. <laughs> and Jessica makes a joke about, oh, maybe I'll name a sandwich after you in the cafeteria. But actually, the simple truth was that she was relieved to see Lila getting back to her old conceited self. So no. I. Me too. <laughs> yeah. So apparently she is going to get counselling a project too. So thank fuck they're going to, mm. you know, have some sort of therapy uh, yes. um, involved. And it's not going to be one of those things where it's like, oh, that, that they're, you know, everybody stood by them and now they're fine. Like there's yeah. long term consequences. Mm. Yeah. Um, but uh, she hopes that she won't see John when she's there for her first session on Monday. I would hope to fuck they'd keep the like sex offenders away from the... Yeah you know the girls going for or boys uh or anyone going for mm. like assault counseling but exactly yeah um yeah apparently barry and the other boys convinced him to go so uh apparently the alternative it was less convincing and more they threatened to send him to mr cooper like what? i just don't understand why no adults have been involved yeah, it's it is kind of weird um but yeah apparently that threat was enough for john to to agree to go for some kind of counselling. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's that's what's happening there. And we don't get to see him being drowned in a swimming pool or the Pacific, but whatever. <laughs> oh, damn it. I mean, I guess we could be just grateful the counselling of any kind is mentioned. So uh, what sounds yeah. was wonderful. <laughs> well, we head back to the Castletel Wakefield. Jessica finds Liz going through all her letters from Prince Arthur over the years. That constant in her life who has never been mentioned before. Her true friend in constant communication. <laughs> letters flying back and forth for the last solid four years. <laughs> well, Jessica's all like, hmm, look at all these letters. Oh, I'm looking back to see if you're in love with them. And she's like, oh, come on, not you. Like, I'm not in love with Prince Arthur. He's not in love with me. And that's that. And Jessica's like, hmm, we'll see. But then doubles back as she leaves the room and says, you know, if you're not really not interested in Arthur, I just may know someone who is. <laughs> and that's the end of the book. We got through it. We did it. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. Can yeah. you read us out, please? I can. Will Prince Arthur find himself a princess in Sweet Valley? Find out in Sweet Valley High number 91. In love with a prince. <gasps> well, <laughs> I, I mean, 
And actually, I was thinking that was going to be a che- like a, a cheery one because I remember it as being ridiculous. But actually, now they've sort of set this bit up with mm. I may not just know somebody who is. I think there might be. In fact, I know that Lila story. There is a Lila storyline, and it's kind of her trying to get with Prince Arthur to kind of prove that, like, she can date again. Mm. Okay, less jolly. But uh, don't worry, listeners, because we will have a surprise for you instead. We can ease back into this gently. Uh, And before we go any further, do you have stats and outfits for us? I do. Um, Yeah. So (laughs) the blondness got three mentions uh, and the the blue green eyes got four. So, you know, even in a non-Wakefield centric, extremely grim book, there's always time for some blue green eye action, I guess. Wow. I'm (laughs) surprised there's that many. Same, to be honest, because it really wasn't, you know, a particularly twin centric one. But look, there we are. Uh, People blush nine times, uh, which which is a lot. Uh, And then in terms of outfits, we had, I mean, that was it. There was so much potential in that costume party, but we just didn't get enough detail really about what anybody dressed up as. Um, Apart from just being told he's a telephone, like what the fuck? Um, (laughs) So so we did have Jessica uh, when she was kind of thinking everything was going to be great for Lila after the revelations of the party. She heads off to school dressed in a kaleidoscope of bright (sighs) colours and large gold hoops dangled from her ears. Yes! (laughs) Which sounds amazing. (laughs) I wish we had more details about the kaleidoscope of colors me too because I'm, I'm wondering is it like is it just loads of different clothing in different colors is it like a dress that's a big splashy pattern on it like i i really needed to know more but you know what whatever way it's going to be i feel like it's, it's good whatever yeah. way it is. <laughs> fair enough and then we had yes uh, jess and lila were kind of shopping towards the end and chatting about the counseling and stuff but um there was yes the aforementioned silk blouse because of course there was also a dark pink blouse which was Ooh. definitely silk even though it wasn't specified we know it's silk there's no other type of blouse of in course this of course <laughs> and apparently lila pulls out a purple velvet sheath dress from iraq uh so that's going to be her purchase for this and i mean it's purple it's velvet it's lila fowler so that's oh, of course <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that was kind of it for outfits so uh yeah not not a particularly outfit heavy one but i guess we did get some good mental images of people's uh fancy dress ridiculousness <laughs> so there's always that to enjoy <laughs> this is true well listeners uh if you listen if you made it through with us um I think we're all relieved that's over. Uh, do let us know what you thought. We always love hearing from you. And you know where we are. We are on Twitter at SVH Podcast. Yeah, you can send us an email at svhpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, we are on Instagram at SVH Podcast, where you had a lot to say, <laughs> listeners, about biscuits. Biscuits oh. and plagiarism. Honestly, it's, it's it was just graham crackers and plagiarism all the way down in the comments <laughs> and the feedback. And we love you for it. So thank you. <laughs> uh, yes, we. Um, so basically, we have been told by multiple people that a graham cracker is not a cream cracker, as I mm. kind of thought it was, but a uh, effectively a um, digestive. Mm, a biscuit. Yeah, because I, I have scrutinized pictures and it does look like a sweet biscuit but yeah apparently not unlike a digestive mm. and is also an integral part to making s'mores which is the melted marshmallow and ugh, hershey chocolate come on you guys <laughs> sandwiched between two of these crackers and i have to say until very recently i thought s'mores were just like the melty marshmallows i didn't realize it was the whole little sandwich situation but uh yeah there we go 
I knew that all the time. Oh, we've learned so many things in these uh, over the last over the last few years of doing this podcast. <laughs> what a delightful prospect! Um, so yes, uh, there was we got sent a picture of Graeme of Cracker Graeme Cracker said it was made with real honey. Hmm. Yeah. Um, several people, including Raphael as Ernest and Shallow, uh, rightly said, I'm stuck on the title. Who betrayed Elizabeth? If a dude wants to get with you and he gives you notes for a paper that turned out to belong to a 19th century art historian, <laughs> is that betrayal? Clearly no. <laughs> so <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> uh, a lot of people liked the um uh the beautiful uh the 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 description of um uh li- of 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 Ned manifesting meerkat matter <laughs> the meerkat statues were a hit <laughs> oh one of my favorite messages was from Gideon on Instagram maybe I've read too much Dracula daily but now I've got the mental image of Jeffrey locked up in Fowler Crest writing in his diary I. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen <laughs> You can do it, come on. I have seen once more Lila go out in her lizard fashion, but it just means her lizard friend silk blacks. Stunning. I love it. <laughs> Nary Siren said, it's all the same to hashtag poor Jeffrey. No. <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> Claire P. H. said, uh, quoted us, uh, quoted the book saying, how could Rod act like a complete c- I was an OMG ghostwriter until he finished with the clown. <laughs> I mean, yeah, either one applicable in that uh, case. <laughs> a lot of people enjoyed uh, Playfully Punch Him in the Dick. There was a press for t-shirts. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. (laughs) And I'm sorry. (laughs) Now, Maria Teresa Biblioteca was just one of the people who told us that, yes, it was plagiarism. What happened? What what Elizabeth did. I mean, Rod, clearly plagiarism. But what Elizabeth did was also plagiarism. Yes. And thank you to the many uh, academic librarians who got in touch to tell us uh, that, yes, it definitely was plagiarism at college level. Like, that is... Absolutely an issue. Uh, we had at Audacious Libby on Twitter uh, telling us they actually adjudicate a lot of these cases at <gasps> university level and they wish high school teachers would tell students about plagiarism because apparently cheating is rampant in US high schools. Mm. Um, that Liz was definitely guilty from typical standards. Uh, any paraphrasing of someone else's ideas without a citation is plagiarism. So she was guilty of that at least. Uh, we also got an email from Kristen Hansen who, yeah, also pointed out that uh Yes, definitely plagiarism in that case. She kind of said, look, I can't speak to high school teachers and certainly not high school teachers in the early 90s. But if Elizabeth handed in her paper at my colleges, it would definitely count as a lack of academic integrity, if not outright plagiarism. So, yeah, she just pointed out that basically everybody was at fault in this situation. Rod is lying because he's obsessed Mm. with Liz. Liz should have cited Rod and or Mm. asked for an extension and or mentioned Rod 
when asked. And Mr. Collins was definitely too harsh and should have asked more questions and use it as a learning opportunity rather than a punishment. Mm, yes. Which makes perfect sense. That's she what I say, thought, yeah. She did now say, in fairness, that we were being a little harsh on Liz, that she's definitely dramatic, but you'd also understand how having your favourite teacher accuse you of plagiarism <gasps> would seem life-ending at 16. And that is fair enough, because mm. everything is a huge fucking deal when you're 16, I guess. So, fair point. <laughs> well, Shannon Schultz did find out... Uh, if Liz is so trustworthy, why does everyone always suspect she is up to no good? <laughs> Very good point. <laughs> so true. Like, this is not the first time people have just, like, instantly believed something very unlike her. Uh, it's gas that this keeps happening to her. <laughs> uh, by the way, there was a lot of love for your creepy credit union poster. Um <laughs> They really blew it, those guys. Not going for my poster. I should have won that competition. If you haven't seen it, listeners, look at our Twitter. Karen posted it two weeks ago. And uh, I think Anna Scott, Scotty Jotty, spoke for everybody when she said, this is a lot creepier than I was imagining, but all the better for it. <laughs> yes, honestly, my 15-year-old self is feeling extremely validated by my choices. <laughs> By the way, speaking of artwork, Shannon Schultz also made an incredible image saying, I can't get the image out of my head of our flat-faced princess skittering around Fowler Crest looking for Jeffrey. Hashtag free Jeffrey. And she's super smile in space. And Dracula climbing down a wall of a castle. I just, I adore Dracula. I think that's what it is. It's, yeah, that's it's it's the yeah. Dracula Daily effect. Dracula's yes. everywhere now, and it's amazing, and I love it. <laughs> oh my god, I was completely independently re-reading Dracula uh, recently because I am writing a Edwardian set vampire book, kind of the oh, same yes. era. And then suddenly, it's like all over Tumblr. People are reading it for the first time, and it's fucking amazing. I uh, signed up to well, I was on Tumblr already, but I hadn't used it in like ten years, just so I could see. Uh, the response to Dracula and their dear friend Jonathan Harker and how excited they got <laughs> when it. Quincy turned up and they're like oh my oh. god there's a cowboy honestly uh, the memes are stellar like there is some top notch fan artworks and me like the jokes are just off the hook it's brilliant Tumblr is tremendous fun right now because it's just all vampires and Dracula all the way down it's great <laughs> though I'm guessing in Dracula Daily there must be plenty of days when they don't you don't get a mail because I know it's corresponding with the dates of all the diary mm. entries and letters in the book yeah so uh, sometimes they're, you can see they're like why, why haven't I heard from my dear friend Jonathan Harker for two three days I hope he's okay <laughs> By the way, in case there's anyone who doesn't know, Dracula Daily is you can sign up to like a newsletter where they mail you out um, sections of Dracula for that day, sort of in real time, because, you know, it starts in May mm. uh, and it goes through to November. So I guess you can catch up if you're if you if you haven't uh, joined in now and you get to read the book uh, as it happens. And if you haven't read it, or you haven't read it in a while. It's very of its time. It is super creepy. And mm. like I read it when I was a teenager and it was one of those things where you think this is going to be creepy. This is going to be old hat. And it is creepy. It's, really it's so creepy. It's so good. I I love Dracula. Now it's a good while since I've read it, but I remember yeah. kind of going into it with kind of low expectations yeah. and just being like, oh, this will all be a bit, yeah, hokey and stuff. And it was just like, shit, this is really good. No, stands up well as well. So uh, mm. yes, we're enjoying the, the crossover. <laughs> <laughs> I never saw it coming. That makes it all the more delightful. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of things that are uh, that are usually delightful, Emma and Jean Studio said, "Oh, Mr. Collins, I'm very disappointed in him." Sad emoji. Mm. I knew things were going south when you stopped singing. 
Mr. Collins. <laughs> you knew he was in trouble. <laughs> a sign that things have gone horribly wrong. Oh. Uh, I also very much enjoyed uh, enjoyed this from uh, from Lizzle forty nine. I'm continuously shocked that someone who dresses like Elizabeth is considered quote popular. She looks mm-hmm. like a narc. In fact, <laughs> this cover suggests that Olivia, who is clearly the only actual teen. <laughs> It's <laughs> discovered that our two best friends are undercover cops pretending to be teen journalists. It it all tracks. Absolutely. <laughs> it makes perfect sense when you look at that cover. And then God bless Hello Ali and her amazing buns. She said, Olivia La Vida Loca, a prestige teen miniseries coming soon. Holy shit. <laughs> Sign me up. I will join a whole new streaming platform just for that. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, we still haven't had any, you know, confirmation on that alleged Enid Ruiz um, mm. Sweet Valley series. So, oh, yeah. Maybe one day. Well, listeners, thank you for joining uh, joining us yet again and, uh, and enduring this episode uh because we know i mean we had some we had some good times with the mm. horny jessica but really it was uh it was pretty grueling in, in places but actually a surprisingly good book that's the thing it was written and handled very well like there was a lot of relatable kind of reactions and yeah it did feel like it was handled well and yes like, not even just i mean i guess yeah by sweet valley standards absolutely but in general like it, it was done quite well i think yeah yes well, we will have more cheery fare next time. Uh, we'll tell you about that in a minute. But if you can't wait two weeks for it, you can have us in your ears in just one week's time by signing up to Headstuff Plus. Yeah, so if you head on over to headstuffpodcast.com, you can sign up to support the show. Uh, and yeah, for as little as five euros a month, you can join our exclusive uh, sorority, gender-neutral sorority Pi Beta mm-hmm. Alpha, uh, where we put out bonus episodes in the weeks between these main episodes. So yeah, you'd never have to go longer than a week without some sweet belly nonsense directly in your feed. Uh, yeah, so as you, I'm sure, know by now, we go recapping the Sweet Valley High TV series. We're on to episode two. We are having a blast. It is absolutely oh. batshit crazy and <laughs> tremendous yes. fun with it. <laughs> We've got a much cheerier Lila there. Uh, mm. Who would be a bit of a palate cleanser. We had a very chaotic slumber party next last week. I don't know what <laughs> the hell was happening in it, but it was uh, very entertaining to watch. It was. Um, so yeah, you, you can sign up uh, and get uh, access to our entire, that entire back catalogue mm. of episodes. And there's a lot of them now. Yeah, like we've done all of series one. We're are we about a third of the way through series two? Like these Almost are good half. whack of stuff to uh, good whack of stuff to catch up with there, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And if you've let your, you know, if you've let your membership lapse, of course, you can always come back and catch up on what you have missed. Uh and yeah, it's as little as five euro a month, and you do get access to all the other podcasts in the head stuff um plus stable. So we will see our Pi Beta Alphas in the cl- uh, sisters in the clubhouse next week. But we will see everybody in the main feed where we're gonna be celebrating. It's a perfect summer. It's time to round out the seasonal special editions. <laughs> Finally, the last one remaining was perfect summer. It's June. It's time. The tagline is geared up for adventure. And we are, listeners, oh, we are. Our bikes are packed and ready to go. <laughs> now, when I say that the cast list of this one, it includes Liz, it includes Todd, 
It includes Jessica. It includes Bruce. It includes Roger. It includes Lila. It includes <laughs> Miss Dalton. And it includes Mr. Collins. All, it is all the hits. <laughs> all on a bike ride. On a bike oh, tour. Look at What more could anybody want? <laughs> There's a bear at one stage. It's the, the one thing I remember about this book is that there is a bear and... Jessica and Chrome Dome's dorky nephew are oh, attacked by this bear and it's fantastic. drama all the way through. Oh it look, is, it, w- it wouldn't be a, a seasonal super edition without at least one life or death <laughs> situation <laughs> that people ridiculously find themselves in, whether it's a freak thunderstorm or it's someone trying to stab you in an abandoned cafe. Who even knows? <laughs> oh my God. It's just uh, like, we we know that there'll always be drama and I have fond memories of this <laughs> one. Um, we weren't sure now. I wasn't sure if I could find my copy. So it could have been the one where Nicholas sees a ghost or finds a girl who looks like a ghost or something. I can't, we, I've just got <laughs> a very... <laughs> There's a mystery woman and Nicholas Morrow. It's one of the super thrillers yeah. that, that we, we've been threatening to do for a while. <laughs> that was our backup plan because technically those books do take place in the summer holidays, um, mm. all the super thrillers. So uh, yeah, it could have been that, but instead we're biking to adventure. <laughs> but you never know. Nicholas Morrow is always just around the corner, that guy. If we know anything about that man, it's like you need to be on the lookout for him constantly. So he may yet pop up with his, is it No Place to Hide book oh. when you least expect it. <laughs> oh God, yeah, God, he could crop up in this. I don't know. This book is from 1985. It's quite early. I think oh, it might we're be very the... early on. Yeah, I we're probably pre-Regina. Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't know if Nicholas was actually in town at this stage. Mm. I think this must be the first of the summer books. So, uh, yeah, when everything mm. was fresh and new oh. and, uh, and they hadn't had to regurgitate plots about Liz and Todd <laughs> having pointless misunderstandings like 50 <laughs> times. Like maybe no one's even been kidnapped at this point. You never even know. It could be that fresh. Wow. <laughs> Imagine. Well, I can tell you the cover is good. So we'll have mm. a lot to discuss. And uh yeah, we will see our sisters in the clubhouse next week for, uh, God, is this, I think it's got a bowling alley theme. God oh, knows. Yeah, something about Thunder Alley. Was that it? It that's was called title. Blunder Alley. That was it. Blunder Alley, that's it. There we go. So we'll see you at Blunder Alley, Pie Beta sisters. But we will see everybody in two weeks time when we find out what happens when the entire gang <laughs> and Mr. Collins <laughs> try to have a perfect summer hell yeah (laughs) see you then everybody thanks for listening bye this show is part of the headstuff podcast network a hub for the creative and the curious shows are produced in association with headstuff and the podcast studios dublin find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at woodhousebuickgmc.com. We are professional grade.